along. It's LOI Weekly Season 4, Episode 26. Myself, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald. On this week's show, we will uh, talk to Stephen Bradley to talk to him about Shamrock Rovers winning the league after a long wait since 2011. And uh, albeit in strange circumstances, but Dundalk as well. Away to Arsenal on the Thursday with Greg Slogger coming in and chatting to us about that game. And we'll also hear from Drogheda United back into the Premier Division and we'll hear from both their chairman and their captain. Uh, so we have a bumper show ahead of you and we will also reflect on the uh, events at Finn Park as well. Finn Harps beating St. Patrick's Athletic 3-2 in a massive, massive win which completely throws the bottom of the table wide open. Thanks to our sponsors, Lot of Land, where you'll find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSE or Tristy Premier Division this season. Check out lotland.e forward slash sportsbook. Make sure to stay tuned as we'll be giving out some of their specials uh, throughout the show. You'll find us on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association, in association with Airsports and Independent.e. We'll also talk about the Cork City vote. Uh, we don't have the result of that in, but uh, what will happen in Cork City and Dan tonight. Uh, both of us were obviously watching the Pats Harps game. It was a bit of a throwback to winter football. Um, not much football played five goals and an extremely big result in terms of all of a sudden Harps have a big big chance of avoiding the playoffs and it puts some other teams in a little bit of trouble I would say yeah it's it's mad yeah it's it's it's, uh, it's really thrown things wide open not like we are we are recording now on Wednesday night it's a late night record you've had a beverage with dinner which is adding a sort of a wild card element to this, to this recording, just well, this section of the recording. Well, to be fair, just we did, we did actually record this late so that we could kind of reflect on the Cork vote, but I don't think the vote's going to be out until tomorrow. Probably not. We also want to really reflect on the Pats uh, Harps game because and the, and when we planned it, the Rovers Derry game too. Like, and the, the plan was that you know I'd be coming back from Tala now to reflect on a trophy presentation and and all of that, but obviously we've ended up having a bit of a different. Uh, go at it but we've had Stephen Bradley you know we've a long interview with Stephen Bradley off the back who would we doing other things today if it wasn't maybe for how how it all panned out but yeah, it was also ha- the fact that like I've, I've been bemoaning the short season for so long um, but it's been absolutely brilliant in the first division and when you look at the table tonight after that Harps result it's absolutely bonkers how Pats have gone from possibly on the cusp of Europe to possibly on the cusp of relegation with two other teams as well ahead of Harps yeah, like Pats can now finish. They they can still technically finish third, although I think they've really, um, considering they've played the top three teams to finish, they would need to produce a run of form that's completely out of sync with their season um, to get there. But technically, they can finish third and they can finish ninth. You know, and mm. uh, I suppose the the more likely scenario is that they finish somewhere in between. Um, but it it certainly like you have a situation now where. Uh, there's so much coming out of that game tonight. Like, Harps play Waterford at home in the last day. And it's funny, because Harps are home to Waterford, you, you think of Waterford as a perception of Waterford, you think that's a game Harps can win. And they played Shamrock Rovers, obviously, on Sunday before then. Um, Waterford but, have Darren Murphy. But what, well, it's not just Waterford have Darren Murphy. Waterford, at the moment, well, are fourth. Um, they are now probably favourites. To fin- you know, if you were sort of pricing it to finish in the top four, just on the understanding of how many points you think Pats yeah. can pick up. I, I, I say that about Daryl Murphy in the sense that I've, I've watched him the last couple of games and he just has a quality that he is going to score goals. He's created loads of chances and he will be a massive influence at this level, even at his age. Yeah, but they, I mean, they've got Brian Murphy, obviously, too. Like they, mm. They've got like they've good players, Waterford. But the, uh, and, uh, you know, I think every team will have regrets. 
But uh, Waterford will look at how they, they lost that game at home to Shells. Um, you know, a couple of games, Finn Harps at home, um, if they'd finished some games a bit better this season, like they... they, they could, three probably, managers though. They, yeah, exactly. Um, and they in could an 18-game season. They like. could probably feel that they, they could be higher up the table in a bizarre way. But they've got a chance of finishing the top four now. But let's go back to my point. You've got, you've got Finn Harps against Waterford. Um, you know, and Waterford have something to play for. You now have uh, Shells looking over their shoulder with one game left at home to Shamrock Rovers. So there are 19 points. How many points can Shells get to? Will they stay on 19? Um, you have Derry City on 19 points. Granted, they have to play Cork City, but they have the situation with the uh, what will happen with the, the Shamrock Rovers game, which is going to disciplinary uh, committee that they couldn't play, even though the local authority in, in Derry weren't letting them travel. It does appear that the FEI are gearing up to... Um, to it does appear from, from the correspondence they sent out last week that it's, it's very likely that that game may end up as a 3-0 win for Rovers, um, which leaves Derry in a situation where going into the last game, they're on 19 points. Um, and then you have even a situation where Pats, as you mentioned, are on 19 points. And if they somehow... Uh, I say somehow, I mean, it's, I mean, it wouldn't be a shock. Um, like, like, you know what I mean? It wouldn't be sort of unbelievable for Pats to lose to the Ndalk and Shamrock Rovers. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not out of the question that that would happen, whether you think it will happen or not. Um, and that, that creates a situation where they could go into the last game with, with 19 points too. And we're even assuming, uh, like, we, you know, Shamrock Rovers want to go unbeaten and, and, and mm. of course they do. But like, you have a situation where, of course, a team when the league is won, we see this over the years, no matter how good they are, um, when you've won the league um, and you go to play a team who still has something to play for, it might be harder to find the intensity that you normally would. That pitch in Bally Buffet was cutting up. So it gives a complete... It was cutting up. Well, cutting yeah. up. It was heavy going, as you would say. This, this was Island. a throwback to the old days. But, but, but let, let me finish my point. That, that, that is it beyond the realms of possibility that Harps get a result against Rovers? You know, like mm. is it completely a wild thought that that would they happen? Deserve, they deserve some credit for the results. The last six games unbeaten, they've gone to Dundalk, got a result. They beat Bowes away. They beat Pats today. Uh, they got a draw against Derry. And you've got to give them a lot of credit for that. No, and, and they've single-handedly now, not single-handedly, but they have made, they've guaranteed that the final day of the games uh, is going to be very, very exciting. You know, we, mm. I, I was at Cabin 2D Drawed on Tuesday and, um, you know, you had a, that real great buzz of, well, what's the score there? And, you know, you listen to what's going on at other grounds and you that scenario in the last couple of minutes where Cove and Galway and all those games were live in terms of the drama. And now it does appear on that last day, uh, well, we've got Shells Rovers. That's going to have something on it. We've got um, Cork against Derry, quite likely something on it, you know, unless you know, something weird happens with Rovers Derry. You've got Harps Waterford. You've got Dundalk Sligo. Um, now, Dundalk have an incentive now against Pats to, to wrap up third if they can. But either way, Sligo are, are going to be in the mix for fourth going into that last day. Um, and then, well, what's the other game? We have Pats and Bowes, which... Okay, is the one game that if Pat's picked up a couple of points, but they're going to be going for a European place. So actually, there's going to be something on the in every Pat scenario. There's something that 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 is live in that last day. So it is going to be good. Uh, we have something to look forward to. Um, well, on, on on Sunday week, provided we avoid all COVID issues between between now and then. And I, I mean, I, I I don't think I would be 
speaking out of turn to suggest that like the way the results have gone with the dairy situation, it's a bit of a headache for the FAI because they want everything to finish at the same time on the last day and you can't have that dairy issue open. Um, but obviously, you know, that, that that's going to be a tough one for them um, to, to, to rule on without dairy being very unhappy if it goes the way that they, that they take the punishment. Yeah, we've had uh, discussions about like how many teams should be in the Premier Division and how many teams should be in the First Division. That, but the compressed season this season has been absolutely unbelievable in terms of just how much is at stake. And the game tonight, to see Pats go two 0 down and then come back to two all, you're thinking, you know, they'll do the job here. Georgie Kelly hasn't had a great time, but that Pats gets a goal against Finn Harps, and they still lose the game, Dan. And you're like, gee, like. It's it's just Pats have been on this rally, and all of a sudden you're just thinking, what's Stephen O'Donnell saying in that dressing room after this game? Because it's they're in a perilous situation now. They've lost. I mean, they've lost twice up there in Harps, though. You mm. know, and and it seems like you know there are games where they've been asked questions and they haven't really been able to to answer them. You know, they, they then, went two 0 down and they were they rallied, not playing great football, but they rallied. But I and think they still they still lost the game. But I think it's the fact that they went out and they conceded two goals in the first ten minutes. I think that's mm. ultimately what's what's killed them. You know, I mean, I know they got back level and stuff, but like they left themselves with a hill to climb, and then they almost ran out of gas when they they got to the top of the hill again. Um, but you know, it's strange. I want Pat's just very hard to know, like what. What type of team are they? You know, we're still like you know they they. I, I know we 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 heard that they were it was you know Joe Gamble spoke about how they were brilliant against Cork and, and so on in the, in the opening minutes, but and how good is that form really? You know what I mean? Like with where, where Cork were at that time, um, and it's strange like with the Pats and Dock game being called off, like it's just it's it's obviously flipped around the order of fixtures and. I think we were both looking forward to that Pats and Dock game when it was meant to be on originally, and I think you probably quite fancied Pats, and I, under, I understand where you were coming from um, on that. But now the dynamic of where it goes, all of a sudden they're left with the top three in the last three games, and it's it's um, it's odd. Like you mentioned there about the compressed season, I think Finn Harps and Cork being the bottom two suited everyone in the sense of saying, "Well, listen, you know, people thought when we had this half season." that we might end up with a bit of a... Like, remember that whole wrangling about should there be a playoff place or not? Should it just be bottom that goes down? And now we have a situation where you, you could well end up with a team finishing ninth just purely because of where they were after 18 games. And they may not have been there after 36. But, like, the way things are looking with Harps, they invested in the squad this year. Maybe we've all just underestimated them. And, to like, when Harps and Cork were down there, it was like, yeah, of course... They're, they're the worst two teams, you know. That was obviously the way that we probably spoke about, about things. But actually now, you look at it and go, well, actually no. Harps are probably as good as the teams around and above them. Um, so it's going to be a case of, after 18 games, it's going to be a hard line down there. And it may well be that there's someone in the playoff who was not expecting to be in a playoff at all. Is and, it worrying uh, that, like, you know, Dundalk are playing Arsenal in London and... It- isn't really that much of an importance to us. Yeah, it's probably one of the most, like, like it's, Arsenal have never played an Irish club before in a competitive match. Um, you know, we live in a Premier League-obsessed country and we have a League of Ireland club playing um, a Premier League side tomorrow. And we are sitting here talking about Finnharfs and Pats, you know, for uh, a period. Are just, you fearful of what uh, might happen uh, at the Emirates? Uh, have we just gone too niche? 
um, and, and we've stepped back from the situation. That- no, so if, if Dundalk had, they were one nil up, and I texted you, when they were one nil up in the game, I was like, they actually, if they against win... Against Molda, they, to be clear. Against Molda. <laughs> so the one nil up against Molda, you're like, this actually could be very interesting if they hold on here, because you get hope from this. Lost that game, and now you're like... But you're, every t- every conversation I've had with you about the Arsenal game, it's like, are you fearful? Are you fearful? Are you fearful? Are you fearful? And like, you know, that that's like, do you, do you do you do you start every day, you know, thinking, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to me today? Like, you know, do you do you look at the weather and go, uh, if I go out there, will I get will I get pissed on? You know, like like you you, you can't approach things with that mindset. I know it's probably in the back of everyone's mind, of course, if they're too cavalier here, you know, get opened up. And, I don't you know, think they'd be cavalier. Of course, no, I, I know, but I know what you're saying. Like, maybe cavalier is the wrong word. If they're, if they're not at it, if they could be opened up. Of course, I know where that's coming from, but like, you can't let that be the tone of every discussion that you have about the match. You know, they can't let that be the tone of every discussion they have about the match. You know, if you go out there thinking, let's hope this is respectable, then, you know, you're 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 approaching it from a mindset that you're preparing for like that, you know that that sort of uh, God fearing view of what what can possibly go wrong here. Um, I, I in a weird way actually, you'd wonder like if they almost get a, a lift from that result and, and harvest the night that it probably takes a small bit of the pressure out of their situation at home. And I think that they've they've probably that's actually probably prevented their enjoyment um, of it to some degree. I mean, they were. So poor against Waterford in the second half on Sunday. You watched that game, they, man. They, they were so flat, and um, I think there is no doubt you can't escape it that their heads are being turned, of course, and everyone wants to play in this Arsenal game. But speak to Greg Sloggett. Yeah, but if, under, every, if everyone wants to play in that Barson game, like how do you play so badly in the game before it? But it's, I think it's just that you're you're probably to mentally tune in. Like I think if they, like they were mentally tuned into a high level European game against Molda. And no matter what way you look at it, you're playing on a Sunday at two o'clock, three days later in the RSC, and like there's rotation, and there's you know people, players are probably even looking at the team and wondering if I'm not in the team for this game, does that mean I am in the team for Thursday, or oh, what does this all mean? Like it's all mm. a bit sort of, it's a bit strange for them, and you could see they had just no real spark about them and uh i don't know maybe they got complacent when they beat Derry and thought europe was done and they've they've slipped back into the habits again but either way um like it is still like the fact is today you know you, you are there you know Mikel arteta is talking about them dog he's he's read a long interview that filippo giovagnoli has given and sometimes like you know some of this stuff like it's a bit like when um it's a bit like when when some random person in Hollywood says they like the GAA and everyone loses their mind. You know, like we're sometimes the Irish, like Irish people love. We're very, we're very insecure. We, we love, we love when someone famous, you know, says something about, you know, someone we know. Like, and, 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 and so like there's a danger of, of, of cooing, you know, and getting, losing your composure just because Mikel Arteta has said a couple of nice words about Dundalk. But like I actually was struck by the fact that like he'd gone out of his way to like read an interview that Filippo Giovanni has given, mm. and, it, and it brings home to you. And I, I made this point actually on off the ball earlier. I was doing that, that, and, and it's something I found from from covering like League of Ireland clubs in Europe that you you do find that like generally we saw even with AC Milan and Shamrock Rovers recently and stuff that, that generally you will find that like football people 
you know, at, at high level and high leagues and stuff, will be far more respectful 100%. about our clubs and our players than a lot of people in this country would be. 100%. Like, like, like when there's a discussion in the COVID uh, times recently about like, you know... COVID uh, times. In, in COVID, that's not a newspaper, although they all yeah. might seem like it. COVID uh, times. In, in, right. in these COVID times, there's a discussion about like what's the definition of elite athletes and, and you can almost see people sort of poo-pooing and go, oh, how is the League of Ireland considered elite and all of this, you know? Like you see that out there and not realizing and it's the great thing about these games these european ties that this year shamrock rovers have played ac milan and the dock have played arsenal and it is a reminder that like these professional players in this country like they play a game that can that they can give you the opportunity to go and 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 experience this this is why this is why when we have discussions at the end of every season or about why qualifying for europe is important mm. like it's it's you know it's about getting these opportunities. You know, I do remember like, your piece it's, as well. It's a, cru- it's a cru- sorry, it's a cruel irony that mm. you know we've had years where the, the European games have been probably against teams from Lithuania, Minsk, whatever, and like they're the years where we have crowds, and the one year where we don't have crowds, you get AC Milan and Arsenal in one run. But it is still a great thing that like we have players from our league who are getting to play and like and being part of a discussion today listening to well, David Louise is out, William is out, or yeah. William's playing and this is like a League of Ireland team news discussion. I, I think I, it's, I, of course it's kind of cool. I do I do remember you did a piece after Dundalk's 2016 run where Maccabi Tel Aviv, um, you know, some of their personnel lauded Dundalk for the way that they played. And we had a bit of discussion about how would you compare the Dundalk 2016 team to this Shamrock Rovers team. And um, a lot of this is going to come, come true in this article, or sorry, this piece with Bradley. But you did a poll, Johnny. You did a Johnny Ward. Yeah. I, I love nothing more. There's nothing more reassuring in life than seeing that Johnny Ward has popped out a poll. So this Shamrock Rovers team um, against the Dundalk 2016 team in an 11 v 11 game would be pretty close I would argue. What was the what was the vote result of your vote? 80 for 80 80% for the Dundalk 2016 team. Mm. And it's interesting what because we did talk to Bradley earlier. It's interesting you eventually you get to that point but I do think people should recognize this is an outstanding Shamrock Rovers team. Like this is a very very good league of Ireland team. The football they're playing is if if you don't really see this compared to the football that other teams have played, and Bradley will play that very good Drogheda side and the Shells team that took on all those great teams in Europe. These are serious sides, but this is a very very good Shamrock Rovers no, team. No, 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 it is. It definitely is. So eleven v eleven against that Dundalk but, team. But but the fact is, and I I know where you're coming from, right? And maybe I'm I'm approaching the debate in a slightly different way, but like the fact is. It looks like they may be a great team. They appear to be a great team. But they haven't been asked the questions yet to prove that they are, if you know what I mean. Mm. I don't think, like, and even Stephen Bradley has alluded to that in, in press stuff yesterday, that his regret, and, and he mentions it in our piece here, his regret is they haven't maybe had the chance to show that. And, and they haven't had the chance to show that. Like, it, it is a fact that we've, they've only played 14 league games this year. It is a fact that their main rival fell off a cliff. Mm. Um, and well, say, the game, say the game against Sligo, no, no, right? No, 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 say the game against Sligo, right? The game against Sligo, the goal that Graham Burke scored, the goal that Jack Burns scored, that's, that's top-class football at any level. And if, if as a League of Ireland fan, you have to recognise this is very unusual for a League of Ireland team to produce some football like this. But they, they did it against... Like, listen, great goal at any level, but would they have scored that goal against 
uh, Zenith St. Petersburg or Alkmaar mm. would they have like the fact is I'm, I'm just saying I'm not like let's be clear I'm not taking anything away from the Shamrock Rovers team I think they have the potential to be to do something really good in Europe next year I really do but I'm just saying at this stage the one the question mark against them is that they haven't been tested to show that like it, like this season like we've had a situation and we've talked about it there you have a, a, a Waterford team who were the last team back to train they have uh, they've had three managers they've been a bit all over the shop in some respects and they're still fourth you know in the league yeah. like it is not it has not been a strong league um the fact that all the teams are so close together i think in racing terms you know if you see all these horses together it sort of it doesn't necessarily always mean a strong race it can be the opposite um and they haven't been pushed yet so you can't speak of them in my view in the same breath as that side because, in, in because ta- talent talent wise got that. there ta- talent wise talent wise listen, they've got a lot going for them. And I think there's great times ahead of them. And maybe we're debating two separate things. You're talking about 11 v 11. I'm just saying to be talked of in the same terms of the 2016 team, they need to retain a league. Yeah, but they, need, they, 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 they haven't even had the chance to do Europe. that yet. My no, point is this, this, this Shamrock Rovers team and what they've done this season and what they did, we'll say, from the much but of last season, I think ta- talent-wise, they're up there with the best League of Ireland teams I've ever seen, without a shadow of a doubt. But what they've done, they haven't shown what they can do yet. I don't think, and I don't mm. think Stephen Bradley will say that. So I don't think Let's you get can, to him. I don't, think you, I don't think you can say that on the basis of what they've done so far. But I understand where you're coming from. Uh, on their potential to get there, and and let's hope that you know they they can keep the team together to go and do that. But we had a good long chat with Stephen Bradley. People who've probably been listening to us uh, prattling on here for a while are waiting for Stephen Bradley, and uh, we had a good long chat about this and a variety of other issues with him. We're now joined uh, by Stephen Bradley. We've seen plenty of stuff in the news of late about these mad celebrations when lads are winning county finals down the country and all this but uh, Stephen there wasn't uh, much chance to do that with you guys it's been how, how would you sum it up it's just you haven't really had chance to kind of have a bit of have a bit of fun when you've won your first title since 2011 No it's been strange um, well I think we've got to respect what's going on in the world today um, and respect that there are people uh, that are in hospital and there's people dying um, from, from COVID so I think it'd be wrong of us to to you know, celebrating in a, in a pub somewhere. Or, um, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And, and we need to respect that. Um, hopefully, uh, if things ease at Christmas, we, we can go and enjoy it as a group. But, um, but right now, it's just uh, the players are obviously on a high. Everyone's on a high. The club is on a high. But we, we need to be uh, respectful with, with our celebrations as well. You know, The, the Derry game, obviously, which is, um, it's been prolonged now at this stage, but... Tonight would have been a nice opportunity, uh, at least in Tala, for you to kind of lift the trophy and it was going to be on TV. And uh, I guess how frustrating was it that it was called off? Yeah, it was very frustrating, to be honest, uh, Johnny, considering we haven't played uh, in a couple of weeks um, and, and everything that was going to happen, the presentation, um, I think the players are all geared up and, and we're ready to play. Uh, but look, it's, it's out of our hands. There's nothing we can do. Um, it is what it is. But yeah, it was very frustrating. Stephen, um, sorry, you, like, uh, I know you, you did some press stuff yesterday. So there's one thing I, I meant to ask and didn't ask at that forum. Like with this 18 game season, I think maybe if you'd won the game, you know, you won it by a point or something, there would have been questions about, well, 
how would it have gone over 36 games? And, and there might have been that sort of question mark hanging over it. So, so like, how satisfying is it to, to do it so comfortably, so emphatically in such a way that there can't really be the debate about it, that there might have been if it had been a bit closer at 18? Yeah, it's really satisfying because I, I think you're right. I think there would have been question marks there. But uh, as soon as we found out it was an eighth season, we knew it left us zero margin for error. We knew that we'd have to uh, really attack every game and try and take maximums uh, every game because, like I said, uh, you slip up in an 18 game season, you're in trouble. And, and with comes a lot of pressure. I think they, they, they deserve tremendous credit for handling that in the right way. And, and uh, and channel it so we could play our best football um, and really attack every game. Um, I think it, it just shows how good they've been that uh, they've done it with four games to spare, you know. And uh, the only frustrating thing I think I said it yesterday, uh, Dan, was that we, we didn't get to to uh, see this team play a full season because I really believe um, this season I think they, they would have been really really hard to 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 get anywhere near over the course of a, of a full season. And I don't say that in any sort of uh, arrogance or cockiness. I just say it because I've seen them up close. I know we've only gotten into our stride. Uh, we, we've had a, a few weeks where we are getting going and then something's happened. We've had a, a knockback or we've had a game um, called off for international duty or whatever it is and then COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this group is just ready to go. Like, you know, So that's the frustrating bit you know, that, that we didn't get to, to see the group at a full, a full pelt. It's interesting, like, I mean, I think maybe the couple of weeks after the break, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but there was a couple of games where it did look like you were sort of, you were just, you know, you were getting going a bit, like, you dare you away, maybe you, you you had your moments where you maybe weren't great in the game, yet at the same time, you still won it, you know, which it must be satisfying in a very different type of way. Yeah, there was a couple of games, I think the dairy one, we, we got over the line, and then we had Pats, um, uh, Shelburne, sorry, after that. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of other factors that go into that. I think you have to look at, we had one or two players that missed the whole mini pre-season uh, and we knew the only way to get them up to speed was to keep them on the pitch and play them, even though um, probably the, the best thing would have been to take them off and inject fresh legs. But we felt the only way to get them up to speed was to play games because they weren't training so much. Um, so that had a factor. In it. And also then when you, when you go to Derry and it's an afternoon kickoff. It's a slow pitch when it's not way up there. It kills it. They sit really deep behind the ball, which again you have to respect that. But mm. And all that. So we look at our, our tempo, our angles, um, everything we did in the first half up there was was slow and sloppy, um, and we allowed their, their game plan to, to work for the first forty five minutes. Um, and I think in parts we went there. The pitch, the grass was long. There was no war on it. And again, this is fine. This is tactics. It's we've got to deal with it. But all that played into. Uh, the game there when you watch the past game back I think we, we had four or five really good chances um, and another day um, I think Graham Boke gets a hat-trick you know and, and um, after the after the the Derry game we'd worked on a few things and trying them because we knew we were going to face, face a low block a lot mm-hmm. in the coming weeks so uh, we worked on, on how to break it down and against uh, Pats it, it was happening the timing was just a bit off um, it was a half yard slower, a half yard quick. The run or the pass was, or maybe the angle wasn't quite, quite uh, right. But uh, you could see that the players were were, um, were really trying to adapt to, to what we were doing in terms of breakdown, a low block, and, and against shells. Again, we seen that as well. There was moments where it was really, really good in the attacking part, and then those moments where it looked sloppy. Uh, but it wasn't. It was just that we we were a half yard 
off either like I said too quick or too slow mm. or, or the angle wasn't made at the right time and but we knew behind the scenes because we were working really hard and training as a group we knew when we watched the videos that we were, it was it was really close to coming off like you know and um, the weeks after that it obviously the timing was there uh, the speed of play was there the players that needed the fitness uh, got their legs back and it all just rolled into one then and then I could see you could see the goals then start to flow and, and the, the pass and the movement became uh, in, in, uh, in sync and, and the timing was key because you can have all the movements and and once you want it, the timing's off, it doesn't work. So I think all that just rolled into one. Like I said, it wasn't just one team, there was a lot of teams that, that came together. The, the volume of, of late goals you've got across the season at key times, I think sometimes from the outside we can just go, well, that's fitness and, and I'm sure that that's obviously a factor, but how much of that is also patience within a game that you, you mentioned playing a team with that low block and you see a lot of very good teams over the years, they score late goals because it's the effort of concentration of keeping a team out that they slip later on. Like, is that is that also a factor in some of the late goals that it's eventually just staying patient with your way of playing within a match? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Dan, I think if you watch our game, uh, people can think, especially on that we're passing the ball just to pass it, but uh, we're, we're doing that to take the legs out of the team we're playing, you know, and, and for every five yards they have to move as a team, that adds up come the 70 and 80 minute. Uh, and that, that allows them to switch off for that. Uh, five or ten seconds, and, and that's all you need when you have when you have quality in the final tours. Um, and the players have have uh, have really adapted to that, and, and uh, really grown to the fact that it might take us eighty minutes at times to break teams down, but they're really comfortable with it now. I think um, in the Shelbourne game, um, we allowed it to affect our performance. Uh, their their game plan affected our performance in terms of we got frustrated. And, and we had a good chat about we can't allow that to happen. And, and I think in the, in the coming weeks, you, you're seeing uh, we just kept playing and playing. And like you said, um, the first 30, 45 minutes are crucial to how the last 10 or 15 minutes usually goes. You know? It was funny, actually, that game, the Shelburne game. It was at that game. And obviously, you can hear the players when there's no crowd. And it was the one time this season, I think, I thought they might be letting uh, the others in with a chance. Because as you say, uh, I remember early in the second half, Jack, Burn was clearly getting frustrated, but you obviously dealt with that. Yeah, we, we knew that as well, Johnny. As a group, we knew, and that's not that group, you know. That's not the group. The group is good, good men. There's good characters in there, um, and they trust each other. But we just felt a little bit of frustration coming in um, within our group. And like I said, uh, we sat down and, and spoke about it after the game on the next morning, and, and it was just about respecting that uh, the other teams that were coming with a game plan uh, to play a low block. That's fine. That's that's what. Well, that's the way to play, and we had to respect that and understand uh, that it couldn't become a, a frustration for us. We had to just concentrate on our game and uh, and trust it, trust the process, and and, and we'll get rewards. And, and um, I think that was the last time it happened. To be fair, shells, shells in the second half, and and uh, since then they've, they've been excellent. The uh, just the European run, the Milan game, um, it was memorable if you happened to be there and watching them against Celtic kind of last week. Rovers, in fairness, didn't actually look to play that bad. Had you? Uh, what was your take on the whole European experience and just the strangeness of that night because of how Tala would have been rocking with the crowd? Yeah, it was really strange. Um, if you go back to the first game, I was, I think um, that was a difficult game because I, I watched them a lot and, and felt uh, when you got them on a, on a bad day, they were poor. But when you got them on a good day, they had real quality, uh, like they shown against some some really good teams in the last 12 months and, and we got them on a good day 
Um, we, we obviously had the man sent off. We got through, and then you're looking at the draw, and you're thinking, um, there's two or three teams you'd really like to get there, and you'd fancy fancy going through. Um, and and then obviously you get drawn with Milan, and it's, it's such a difficult game, you know. Um, when you watch them, there's so much quality. Um, I, I think when the transfer budget in the last few years is, is in the hundreds of millions, you know, since the new owners have come in. Um, so we knew it was going to be a, a really difficult game, but it was one that we really enjoyed as a group um, because we, we got to take great learnings from, from, the, from the game itself, you know. Uh, it was strange, the atmosphere was strange. Usually, like you said, when you play Milan, I've had the uh, privilege to play Juventus and Real Madrid there and big teams and the, the place does be rocking and we didn't have that, you know, so it was a bit, it was a bit strange, but uh, it was a fantastic night uh, for us as a group to, to learn from from Milan, what they did really, really well uh, tactically, and um, and then um, and what we did really well as well on the night, um, and it made it makes us believe more in what we were doing, and uh, it showed us little things how we can improve it going forward uh, in, in all aspects of the game, and and it was only little subtle things that they do, um, and when you're at pitch level, you really, really know it because the speed of play, but um, it was really good because we were able to take that into our into our training and into our video sessions for, for the coming weeks and it's something we'll, we'll continue to look back on and learn from going forward so I know we got beat uh, the, the quality showed in the end but um, I, I think uh, we, we took some real positives out of that now. Yeah. Stephen I was, I was struck yesterday you spoke of like a turning point game for you um, your time at Rovers was the game with Dundalk last year which was a painful night I guess for a lot of Rovers fans that are listening to this it was that game where Sean Gannon got the second half goal and in many respects, that was possibly the night the league was was won in 2019. But just when you said you went home and, and you, you called Stephen McPhail and Glenn Cronin later that night and you all had the same view, well, actually, we're on to something here. Can you just maybe expand on that a bit more? Like, what, what was it about that game that really made you think, yeah, actually, you know, we're, we're on to something? Yeah, there was so much about the felicity. Um, we always speak after the game as a coaching staff and, and it's good and it's bad because there's obviously emotion involved in that and some, sometimes you can say teams with emotion rather than with your head. Um, so we went home and we watched the game back and, and we all spoke and, and we all had the same opinion uh, on the game. Um, and it's difficult because you lost the game and you're disappointed but I thought we were outstanding that day. I really did. I thought it was one of our best performances um, of the year. We, we dominated every aspect of the game when you look at in possession, out possession. Uh, counter-attacks because that's where they were really, really strong under under Stephen and then under Vinny. Uh, they were more dangerous when you had the ball uh, because they had such pace and, and they're so direct. So we needed to respect that. And that was the first game I felt that we really combated that and, and really uh, and killed their game, you know. And, and like I said, it was the first time I've walked away from a game with them, with this group and thought, uh, we're the better team. Um we're, we're right there and I think you could sense in the dressing room after the players uh, it was the first time they felt even though we got beat I think you could, you could sense that was one that uh, that was a real turning point that, that we were we were the team um, um, going forward like you know yeah, we still mm. have them so there's still learnings but when you when you look back at it, I, I thought without going into too much detail and, and our tactical stuff it was uh, we, we dominated every aspect of it like you know yeah like so how did you feel you'd improved from? I know he's probably covered a lot of this last year, but say from 2018 to 2019, like in what areas? Without maybe, I know you don't want to give away too much, but like, 
know, you had a tough time maybe two years ago. I remember that 5-2 game at home to them dog people refer to a lot. Like, what, what was wrong with you then and what did you address? I think that 5-2 game is interesting, Dan, because if you if you look at the game back, we should have been three up in 10 minutes. We hit the post from two yards out. Gary Ray, Rogers makes an unbelievable save. Dan misses one from two yards. Uh, Gary makes an unbelievable save and we're obviously 1-0 up. And, uh, I think Ronan comes off injured in that game and that was the real turning point. And also, we allowed Graham Booth to go and play a friendly for Ireland that week, um, understanding that uh, we were going to miss him in that game, but our opinion was, my opinion was that uh, the league was done at that point, and we knew if Graham became an international, we got a, a bigger transfer fee, which helped us build the team stronger for the year after. So there was a lot, there was a lot in that game. We could have easily um, uh, made sure Graham stayed with us and, and played the game, but uh, for us, there was so much for the bigger picture there for Graham going. And plus, for me, uh, it's the right thing to do. Graham was deserved it he, he, he earned it and, and it mightn't come around again so you've got to respect that you've got to give him that but there's so much talk on into that game um, and like I said I, I think we, we weren't ready to, to go and, and compete and we knew that behind the scenes um, we were getting there I think you could see that we were we were um, we were very close in some games but we weren't quite there we didn't have that real belief in the group to, to go and and take it um, and, and that only comes with, with know-how and, and playing together and learning and, and failure really because mm. um, it really makes you sit up and, and take notice and, and analyse every little detail of what you do some things you're doing really well and some things you need to really overhaul or some things you, you might need to tweak something really small so uh, but in that year we weren't we were nowhere near ready to go and, to go and take it like you know um, and uh, like I said in, in that 5-2 game um, day over in, in the end they completely dominated the game on the uh, second half but um, there was a bigger story behind that when you look at the Graham Borkman you know Graham going and playing for Ireland got us another X amount on a transfer fee which allowed us to go and get uh, certain players in the door for the, for the following year we knew we were going to lose Graham and Andy, so uh, there, was a, there was a bigger picture there did you did you always feel you had the board support? And I know because like if you look at Fenlon Crawley and Stephen Kenny before you, they did they let managers go relatively quickly, and um, the fans generally like ninety nine percent of the time did seem behind you. Maybe that night there were a few ructions, but did you ever feel under any pressure? Um, and I know it's a cliche, not from the board, mm-hmm. from off uh, Johnny Moffan in house with Stephen and Glenn. Um, I think a massive part of not feeling that pressure, Stephen. Uh, Stephen, I felt, you know, because uh, chilled out character. Yeah, Stephen. I think if you know Stephen and you meet him, he's calm, he's collected, he's cool. Um, he, he takes everything and he's destroyed, and and he always has an honest, straight opinion. But it's calm, you know. There's always thought behind it, and and uh, I wouldn't have taken this job without Stephen taking his job to be to be honest with you and, and the reason was because I knew what we had in our hands I knew there was going to be some tough times uh, but I always felt with Stephen's calmness uh, and being able to talk to the board and, and in a cool and, and composed way would help me like you know so when we, when we were hitting uh, bad patches or we weren't playing quite as well Stephen and Glenn and me always spoke about what we were trying to do and where we were getting getting to and, and Stephen was able to relay that to the board um, and there wasn't confrontation between the manager and the board it was it was directed through the sporting director and I think that was that was key like you know um, um, and like you said I wouldn't have taken the job if Stephen wasn't in his job because I, 
I didn't I didn't know Stephen um, before that, but I just I'd met him, and I I Pat Fennan had brought me in coaching, and I just character, and I just always knew it would be someone that I'd love to work with, like you know, and, and um, when. When uh, Stephen decided he'd take his position, well, then for me it was a no-brainer because I knew I'd have, like I said, his calmness and and uh, and, and just that 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 guy who gives you the straight opinion. It's straight down the line, but it's it's always with thought. It's always with the bigger picture in mind, and, and, and that's key. Like, just just as well, Shamrock Rovers with Alan Manis in the last ten years. Shamrock Rovers without Alan Manis is quite a different story. And just him and Joey O'Brien, for example, like how important were they? That massive, massive experience that they have, and uh, like I've always been taken by Joey O'Brien the fact that he's played at such a level. But his hunger every game that he plays Shamrock Rovers is is probably testament to his professionalism as well. Yeah, I think there's a reason that that uh, Joey and Alan have played at the level they've played at. You know, and I think. Um, when I, I went and met Alan um, a long time before we signed him and um, I was just showing him what we were doing and what we were about and, and, and hoping he'd want to be part of it and, and uh, thankfully he did because Alan, I played with Alan and, and I know the calmness that he brings to the dressing room, what he brings to the back the back four or five and, and the team in general, you know, he's, he never gets too high Alan or too low um, and, and Joey is um I played with Joey's older brother, so I've known uh, Joey's family for for quite some time. Uh, but I, I obviously obviously lose touch when 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 you go to England and, and Joey goes to England. So I didn't quite know what I was getting in terms of character. Um, but um, he's been immense. Like you know, I, I don't think you can you can praise him enough how how he's handled himself, how he's handled the dressing room, um, both on and off the pitch. You know, I think. Um, I think he's been unbelievable. He's, he, he demands of everybody every day in training. Um, he sets the standards of what we do, both on and off the pitch. And uh, he's hungry. He hasn't, I think, the worry was, was he coming home to, to put his feet up, you know? Uh, but he's, he's the total opposite. He come, he's come home and he's shown a real hunger and desire to, to take this club forward and, and drive them on on the pitch. Um, some people can look at Joey from afar um, watching videos and probably think we can get at him um, but when when you come up against him and you see how clever he is and his angles he, he takes when he's defending and and uh, he's always two steps ahead in his head he's a totally different prospect when, when you come up against him you know but I think sorry Johnny to go back when you bring up Alan and Joey I think our most important signing was, was Ronan like, you know, mm-hmm. I really do um, I, I think when you break it down um, it's, in, it's very interesting you say that now because of all the signings he's the one and he's, he's just 100% in every game and so on yeah I think when you look back when we first came in uh, we were really so far behind on Dock and Cork uh, we were struggling to get anyone over the line that we really wanted and Ronan was was the one that we really wanted and, and when you think what he left behind um, I think he left behind maybe two leagues with, with Dundalk and, and he was a fantastic player in a fantastic team you know and he played for a manager that he loved, and it's and people might think was a money motivated. We couldn't match what what the Dark and Cork were offering, you know. So it was, it was a big, it was a big decision for Roman to come and play for us, like you know. Um, and and for me, that was the most important signing because he's our captain. Um, he leads the way, and, and he allowed us in the following years to go and sign good characters and good people. Because when you speak to the likes of Alan and and they see Roman as your captain, uh, speaks volumes, like you know. So he was. I think Roman's our most important sign. 
you 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 know you, you spoke at one point again yesterday about how you know going forward you, you the young players of the club you want them to be a part of the team over the next couple of years. But I suppose how do you manage that balancing act now? Because you mentioned maybe in 2016 um, you sign around and it's maybe harder to get other deals over the line. I think it's fair to say now quite a few players in the country would be happy for a call from Rovers. But at the same time, you have you know the the Brandon Cabanas and Dean Williams and, and and players like that. Like how do you ma- balance that now? When I think I suppose recruitment wise, it might be easier for you now to get players than than it might have been a couple of years back. And and as a manager, how do you balance that up? Because you can't just sign players, but it's, it's it obviously has to be more thought into it than that. Yeah, no, you're right. You can't just sign players for the sake of it. I think what we've got to be very careful is when we're signing a player that if we've got a player that's maybe six months away, 12 months away, that we don't sign a player that's going to stand in their way. But we've also got to make sure that we're improving uh, the team and the squad because uh, that's key. Everyone's going to be coming for us next year and this year in the Cup. So we've got to make sure that we keep improving. But we've got to... uh, also understand that we can't stand if a player is ready to go that we can't sign someone uh, just because it maybe looks like a better signer or a bigger name if the if the player we've got in house is ready to go well then he gets his head and I think we've shown that that we've done that with Gavin uh, I think we've given 14 or 15 debuts down the, down the years and that will continue to be the case you know but like I said the only issue is now for the young lads is they have to be really at it because the team is, is in a different place to what it was back then uh, but we won't. We make sure that we won't sign uh, four centre midfielders if we've got one that's that's six months away in the B team or, or in the 19s or the 17s. So, um, like I said, that's just constant planning and, and dialogue and looking at what's coming through. Um, and sometimes signing sign an older player in a certain position, knowing that you have one 12 months away, is, is a good option as well because uh, you get a good 12 months out of the older player and then and then the young boy comes in and learns and, and is ready to go. But, uh, it's something we need to be uh, very careful uh, with going forward. Well, I was going to ask you about, say, I mean, the hallmark of a really successful team sometimes is that players come into it and maybe in the first season they're good, but they they, ad- they adjust to the demands in the second season and so on, they get better. Like I'm just going to ask you, for example, the UCD lads here, uh, scale, you know, Gary O'Neill, Ferruja, Scales. I mean, maybe Gary's a bit further ahead of the other two, but they've, They've had their, their their role to play this year, but do you feel there's still more to come from some of the players that are there that are still at an early stage and maybe full time demands of Rovers' journey? Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, Liam is only getting started, and, and definitely Neil Ferruja. I think um, Neil has has unbelievable potential. Um, but what we've got to understand with Neil is at UCD, um, especially in the Premier Division they didn't have a lot of the ball and it was all, uh, usually it was counter-attack football, so we had a lot of space to run into, a lot of, he could open his legs and play. When he plays for us, we usually have a lot of the ball and teams usually sit deep, so they kill his space, they kill the, there's not much grass to run into. So Neil's had to learn the other side of the game, he's had to tactically understand when to move and how to move to create space for other players and and uh, and, and at the start, that was, that was frustrating for Neil because he just wants to open his legs and get at people. Um, but now I, I believe he's becoming an all-round better player because he, he'll always have that dribble in 1v1. He'll always be able to open his legs and run. But now, he, if you watch his game now in real detail, he, the movements he makes, the subtle movements, uh, tactically, he's so clever. He plays in pockets now as well as out wide and isolating the fullback. Um, you 
understands when to run off Jack or Graham and, and, and all that takes time, you know, but he's never had to do that before in his career and he's had to do it now. And and what you'll get out of that is you'll, you'll get a much uh, better version of, of Neil Ferrugia in, in 12 months' time because um, mm. he's an all-round player now. He's not just one-dimensional run up and down the line. Now he's now he's becoming a, a real a real handful for people to mark. And to be he, fair, he, and in the Milan game, he like you look at players who are not overawed and didn't really look out of place at all. No, and he, and he won't do because physically, when you look at him, he's six foot two, can run on, in unbelievable shape. Um, so physically, when he's put in that scenario, it doesn't it doesn't phase him at all. And like I said, now he's, he's starting to become tactically so aware of what's around him. Uh, when you when you put them two together, it's it's a frightening combination. But to, to go back to your point, Dan, he's only getting started. Neil Ferrugia, you know, there's there's so much more to come from him. You, you've, you've spoken about Jack, and obviously you're, you're desperate to keep him. It's quite natural. Um, but you've also acknowledged that there's going to be interest in him, which is obviously inevitable as well. So when you're looking ahead, do you have to think with you know Rovers with Jack and Rovers without Jack for 2021 because he's such a big player that naturally he takes replacing. Like, do you have to sort of think in your head of scenarios because we're in a COVID market? It's a bit weird. I, I don't know. Do we know how this winter is going to play out even with clubs overseas and how they do their business? So, like, do you have to think of scenarios A, B and C in terms of this situation? Yeah, you do have to think of everything. You have to respect that Jack has options. Um, we're one of them, but he will have options. And, and whatever Jack decides to do, like I said, we can't be anything but thankful for what he's done for this club, you know? So um, we've got to plan for for without Jack and with Jack. Um and, and like I said, we'll have to just wait and see uh, where that lies in the next few weeks. But um, we've been looking at that for, for quite some time now, like, you know. Um, so, um, like I said, we just have to wait and see where that one lies. And, and, and when when that decision is made uh, from Jack and, and uh, his family, we'll adjust. But, um, yeah, we do have to plan for, for all scenarios. Yeah, the, I guess as well, the, the club itself and the whole... Um, experience of bringing in young players. We had a very interesting one recently. Obviously, Evan Ferguson was outstanding for Bowes uh, against uh, Finn Harps the weekend. Sam Curtis, 14 years of age, met his senior debut as well. And th- I suppose that got a lot of attention. What was your take on it? Because, you know, there are people who say 14 is too young or whatever. Yeah, you need to be very careful. I look, Evan Ferguson for me is physically an, an unbelievable specimen. He's he's well out to handle first in football. I've watched Evan since he's 12 years of age. So, his ability was never in doubt and now physically he's he's a man so uh, you can understand that one and Sam is not too far off in terms of physicality um, but the key is that uh, when you're playing the likes of uh, Athlone they're a very very young team you know um, Athlone so it's not um, it's not like it used to be uh, years back in the fourth division where there's a lot of older players and older teams and, so you uh, take that into account would you? Yeah of course yeah. I think you have to yeah. when, when you're putting Young boys in, I think you 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 really need to to look at to all that because the, you have to be very careful that you don't you don't hurt them like you know you don't uh, as well as physically mentally that you, that you look after them. Um, so I think all that has to come into the thinking. Yeah, do, do you have um, you know aspirations now yourself as a manager because you've you've this is your first job. It's clearly working out quite well. Um, where are your aspirations down the line? You're you're obviously uh, enjoying your time at Rovers and all that, but what are your ambitions? Right now, Johnny, I'm not too sure. Um, I think um, I really want to go and, and, and go and defend this league next year. And, mm. and, um, and with, with crowds. 
crowds, yeah, and let the crowd see this team in full flight. Um, and let's let's not look too much beyond that because honestly, I know it's again a cliche, but you just don't know what's around the corner and, and live fan of football. So, um, yeah, let's just wait and see. I think I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I've always really enjoyed it, uh, even when we are losing. I know that's um, difficult at times, but I've always really really enjoyed uh, putting it together w- with the coaching staff and. And really uh, seeing it come together, you know, and now that uh, we've won the league, I think it's time for us to go and kick on and, and, and really see where we can take this team and this club. Like, you know. Well, is, is, is this a potentially special time when you look at the ramifications of Brexit for young kids going to England? Um, and also the fact, to be fair, Sean Groves, you've won the league with the likes of Jack Byrne and Graham Burke, Irish internationals. Lots of young players coming through, did well in Europe. Um, you're living in Dublin. These are Irish lads living in their home city. Um, are we on the cusp of something that's better than what we've been used in the League of Ireland in general? Um, from our point of view, from Sean Groves' point of view? And in general? In general, I think the league is in a, is in a, a really good place in terms of quality on the pitch. I, I really believe that. I think if you look through the teams, there's some really, really good players uh, around the league. Um, I think you would have got to see that, obviously, in a longer season. Um, for, for us as, as a whole, I think um, we just need to keep working hard. We just need to keep, um, I think, success can be a lousy teacher, can't it? It can, it can make you believe what you do is is uh, perfect and, and no one can touch it. I think we've got to be very, very careful that, that we don't go down that road. And I think what Stephen was so good at Dundalk was every year they went again, they improved uh, in every aspect. Uh, and we've got to make sure that, that that's where we go, like, you know, that we, we keep questioning everything we do. We keep questioning each other in the office, which we do daily. And, and we keep pushing these players to be better because when you look through the, the squad, the average age is really good. And uh, and I believe they're only getting started. You know, I felt the cup was was important. They understood how to win a big game, and and they just kicked on. And, and uh, for me, it's it's uh, it's about us now pushing this group to to, to reach its potential. What do you think about Irish football generally, though? Then maybe Stephen, because I think we would have spoken a couple of years back when you were I think coaching the PFI team in, in Norway that time, and it, it was around that time where well. Around that decade, there was a lot of disillusionment, maybe about where the game was going. Um, it's been a sort of a weird 18 months, two years, all the stuff coming out off the park. We have a new FEI CEO coming starting next week. Like, what are you hoping for generally from what is hopefully a new era now? Certainly, it's a new FEI administration, it seems, but what are you hoping for, you know, as a, as a football man, I suppose, as the term is, from the, from the next decade for football here? I think what went on off the pitch and, and it's all come out, obviously. And, um, I think everyone is out there saying, I think it's happened. It was wrong. Uh, everyone knows that. Um, what went on was scandalous. But we've got to move on. We've got to give this, the new CEO and, and uh, we've got to give them a chance and, and let's hope they can bring bring us forward. But as a whole on the pitch, I think uh, there's been some really, really good work going on behind the scenes. If, if you look at the National League, uh, Root Doctor deserves tremendous credit for the National League. Uh, I really think um, it's a positive step. I think I know people complain uh, that it's, it, it's elite, it's too young to be elite. For me, it's it's we can go younger. Um, I think the, the quicker we can put players in in, uh, in really uncomfortable situations for them to learn, the better, you know. And I think, uh, like I said, Root deserves tremendous credit. I think when you look at Noel Harrison, um, 
Jason Donahue, all the all the underage, Colin O'Brien, Tom Mom, what they've done with the Irish underage. I think it's shown that uh, it's gone in the right direction. Uh, I think there's some we've had some really good results as teams and, and the players are obviously improving. Um so I think we're in we're in a good place, you know. I think uh, the twenty ones have done well. Um the twenty ones a tricky age because um they need to kick on in England in order to, to kick on to the senior team. So it always becomes a tricky age. Um, but I, I think uh, generally we're in a good place on the pitch. I think off the pitch we, we need to we need to improve. I think that's obvious. Obvious, you know. I'd like to see more transparency between uh, the the FEI and the clubs in general. Um, I think we. I don't think the managers have a, have enough of an opinion on things. Football matters. Um, we're, we're certainly not asked. Um, that's and, interesting. How, what do you mean by that? I just think when, when football decisions are being made that affect this country and, and every player and every club within this country, I think the coaches and, and the managers deserve a, a, an input, you know, and I don't think we get one. I think um, you obviously get relayed through your club and, and uh, the secretary or someone from your club will go and represent the club. But for me, that's that's not good enough, you know. I, I, I don't see the harm in inviting uh, the managers into, into a room and having a chat about... Uh, this is where we see it going. What's your opinion on it? We won't all agree, and that's fine. Uh, but we can't have agendas. It's for it's for uh, the greater good of, of Irish football. At the end of the day, um, I, I always won't be the manager of Shamrock Rovers, and vice versa with with Keith at Bohemians and, and Stephen at Pats. So uh, our opinions have to be for for the better of Irish football as a whole, and not just for for our club. Like you know, so um, I think. Uh, there's some good football people involved, and and if they're um, if they're asked uh, an opinion on things, I think they'll they'll come up with some good stuff. But I don't feel that uh, we're asked uh, our opinion enough. You mentioned um, yeah, you mentioned those two managers as well. The likes of Tim Clancy at Drogheda last night. Lots of young coaches in the league. That, that uh, I think maybe a lot of a lot of focus is on the young players, but uh, the job that Crawley has done and with Keith Long is outstanding as well. And you got to be conscious of that, that there is potential there for these coaches to go a long way in Ireland. Yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, I don't think we're listened to enough. I know Stephen Henderson has done tremendous work in the background, uh, setting up the Managers Association. Um, I know it's still not where he wants it to be, but it's, it's, it's definitely uh, something that needs to be in place. Um, and, and I think there's some great people involved with that in, in the background and, um, like you said, when you look through every every club and, and every team, there's young coaches or managers, um, and and uh, I think I think they should be allowed to have an opinion on, on football matters, like you know, um, even ex managers. I think when you look at the likes of uh, Pat Fennell, obviously um, I worked on the part with Pat gave me an opportunity to come into senior football, and, and uh, I know Pat knows football inside out, like you know. So I think people like that deserve. Uh, an opportunity to speak and, and be heard, like you know, like like all of us at, 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 um, at each and every club up and down the country. Yeah, it's interesting because I suppose we are. I don't want to draw a negative note, but like there there is a danger we're heading into this winter of uncertainty. There's going to be discussions around formats and what happens with the league for next year, and we know what it was like in in May, June, July. It was probably incredibly frustrating as a manager to be following updates, you know, from afar. Like, would you even, I know, I appreciate there's some financial decisions that are being made as well, but at the same time, would you still like managers and coaches to have some input in whatever is decided about formats and stuff for next year, if it is going to be a bit of an unusual year? Yeah, I think we need to have an opinion in it, uh, Dan, to be honest. I, 
and I understand we might have an opinion and, and someone from uh, your own club or the FEO or another club might come back with a financial reason why it's not possible. And yeah. that, that's fine. Um, like I said, we don't want to, to, to make every decision and our, our say is final. Of course not, but I think we definitely need to have an opinion on, on everything related to football. Um, and like I said, if, if it can't happen for whatever reason, uh, well then it needs to be listened to and, and we'll come to the right decision. But uh, I think you asked earlier, where, where do we go? How do we improve? I think that's a massive uh, improvement we can make. You know, I think you can bring the international managers into that as well yeah. and, and allow them to have an opinion um, because the more opinions we can have, uh, for me the better, we, we'll definitely come up with some good ideas between, between all of us. Just, okay, so I mean, just in terms of now, we're, we're, we're speaking on Wednesday, you have Finn Harps next. We, we hope that the rest of the season sort of runs along a normal path. Like, how is the group? You had the, the sort of the, the COVID outbreak. You, you said yesterday that Jack Byrne maybe had, had struggled a bit with it. Like, are you going to be full tilt for the rest of the league season or are you going to have to manage your resources a bit carefully with, the I suppose, the cup in mind as well? No, we will go full tilt. Um, Jack trained today for the first time, which is good. Uh, and seemed to come through okay. So we'll just see how he responds to that. Um, but I think we, we'll be full tilt. We want to go and beat him. Um, we, we want to go and win every game. Um, we won't be looking at anything regarding the cup. When that comes around, we'll be ready. And we want to go and defend it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be ready for Finn Harps on, on, on Sunday. And then uh, St. Pat's on Wednesday. We won't, uh, yeah, we won't be, we won't be doing anything other than trying to win every game. Just a couple of other things. The second team has um, has had a decent season, and there was a lot of furore about that. I think a lot of people would have been gobsmacked how much Brandon Cavanagh played, considering his talent. But how has it worked out from your perspective? Yeah, look, I think um, we obviously talk in the house and, and things that we can improve on as as a team and for them players. But as a whole, I think we're talking about. Where can we go in this country to develop players and, and develop the game as a whole? I think the B team is uh, has been unbelievable for us as a club, and um, I'd be very surprised if other clubs don't try and consider it. You know, because I think it's how can we how can we say there's any negatives to given you look at our squads that we've had this year, the young players that have played games and learned harsh lessons, two uh, one up and dropped it and. and um, and give away a goal in the last minute, like you know, like I said, from being naive and, and silly and, and thought we're obviously going for the league and, and our players would have never got to experience that or or learned that without being in that situation. And, and for us that's you're you're helping uh make the make the young players uh, be uncomfortable very, very early in their career and, and, and that's invaluable to their learning and, and um we we will get players out of it, not just us as a club, the country, we get players out of it because um they're, they're learning real football very, very early, you know, and they're, they're, they're starting to understand what it's about. And um, I, I think the, the B team has been an unbelievable uh, tool for us this year. Like, you know, and we won't see the benefits of it next year, um, but it might be the year after, the year after. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to say this one because a lot of people like, oh, Rovers are gaining a big advantage by having a second team, but you would actually think other clubs should do this and you'd welcome that. Yeah, I would. I definitely would. Um, like I said, I, I, you're giving young players a, a chance to go and play men's football, to learn what it's about. Um, you're taking them out of comfort zone of their own age group and putting them in uh, where it matters, where it's three points. And, and um, like I said, where 
they're making mistakes. They're also doing stuff really, really well that they, they believe in and they grow from that. Um, and I think it's uh, it's been fantastic for us as a club. Look, we could have sat down and, and used that money uh, for the first team. Of course we could have. Uh, but we felt for for the long-term development of, of them players and, and this club, uh, it's vital. And I'd love to see other clubs uh, go and do and just in relation to Europe next year, you you know the Champions route and all that that Dundalk have enjoyed this year. That uh, that experience against Milan, seeing Zlatan on the pitch, and you know Rovers players uh, put pit, pit, pitching themselves against these players, it must have you really buzzing for that next year. Yeah, I think when you look at Dundalk's route this year, I don't think there's ever been a route like it, and, and I can't remember. And anyway, Dan or yourself might know, but I can't remember another route where it's. It's one leg, and, and and you get the teams you get, like you know. So um, that look, they've earned that. I'm not Dundalk. I've earned that over the years by being champion. That's what. That's that's the possibilities you get when you are champions, you know. So uh, it's definitely something that came into our thought process about uh, the league, and obviously then the format of Europa League, Europa League two. Um, so um, there's so much that goes with it, like you know. Um, and and it's something that we're really looking forward to. I believe this group is. Is uh, is really well equipped to go and play in Europe. The way we play, um, our style allows us to, to go and, and, and really adapt to Europe very very uh, quickly and easily. So um, I'm looking forward to, to that next year. But um, I, I think we can't. And I, I know it's great. Europe's definitely be part of it. We have to really make sure that we we focus on the league. Uh, you can come back and and be thinking about. Champions League or wherever it is, uh, and before you know it, you're you're 15 points behind. Come July, um, that that doesn't make sense to me. Like, just it's a new challenge, me. isn't it? Because I, I, me and Johnny were having a private chat the other day, and like, I've no problem discussing it here. We're talking about you know great sides, and Johnny was saying, well, how does this Rovers team compare to say the Dog 2016? And and I said, listen, Johnny, you can't compare until you retain the league. Like that's the the measure of that that next level now. You might disagree with that because you know you, you know the ability of the players that are there. But I've always argued like it's it's retaining the leagues is like the real. That's the, almost when you move into that that great team discussion. Yeah, to be honest, uh, Dan, I think that's for for other people to decide. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do know. I know the quality we have, um, and I, I haven't seen a team play uh, the way the way the players play in big games. You know, I think that and that team are a fantastic team. Um, the achievements they, they had under Stephen were, were unbelievable so um, look that's for other people to debate for me this team is only getting going right? uh, the team that, that we've put together uh, myself Stephen Glenn and obviously the board uh, it's only getting going and, and uh, I think they have real real potential um, and let's let's see where, where it takes us but uh, that and that done that team sorry we're, uh, we're a fantastic team you, you did mention just um, the perspective of COVID and people having lost their lives and all that. And I suppose it just struck me there in recent days, um, you know, Big Deck, the Shamrock Rovers fan, passed away this year. Um, other Rovers fans would have come and gone um, over the course of the year. And you, you saw images of Big Deck at the Cup final last year and how much that meant. Uh, I saw today Conan Burns' work with, you know, personalities ringing fans is a really beautiful gesture. And Gray Merrigan tested the fact that you'd rung him. How conscious are you of what this actually means? I know they're not at the ground, but for Shamrock Rovers fans, in fairness, have, have gone through a lot of the older fans have gone through a lot in the last two or three decades. What it means to them to be winning the league title again. Yeah, I'm very aware of, of what the fans have gone through. Uh, 
it's not just in the last few months, but like you said, in the last few decades, um, I, I've grown up around when Tallis Stadium is just a shell, and, and I've seen the, the local people fight to get it, um, up off the ground. I've seen them go to court, and and, and some of them put their mortgages, uh, the houses up for for collateral against the stadium and stuff, you know, for loans. So I, I know what it means to people. Um, and, and the last few months, um, I think uh, we've, obviously with the COVID, we've got to remember that we're very privileged that we're in a position that, uh, thankfully, we're allowed to continue and play. Uh, we're classed as elite football. Mm. And, uh, and we've got to remember that there's some people that have lost their jobs and or some people that used to go out into town every day and work in an office are now sitting in, in the same room for for 10 or 15 hours a day, you know, and that's, um, we've got to understand that that can be hard on people. Like, you know, we're, we're the lucky ones. We're the ones that can get out into the training pitch every day and, and, and go and perform on a Friday night. And, and we don't lose sight of that. Like, you know, I think uh, Conan has been unbelievable what he's, what he's done uh, for people. And, and uh, I was asked, would I, would I ring, uh, would I ring Raymond? And, and obviously it was a no-brainer to, to have a good chat with him and, and make sure he was okay. And, and, uh, Look, it's only a small gesture. I know a lot of people have done it, but um, if we can help in any way, we will. I think, like you said, we lost Big Dick and we've lost others. A lot of uh, really big fans are ours. And and, and uh, when we were allowed, we went to, to the funerals and, and tried to pay our respects. And, and um, look, I think we were well aware, us as staff and us as a group as a whole, uh, how privileged we are and um, that we still can go to work every day. And, uh, and we don't forget that, you know, I think it's, it can be very easily forgotten. And um, like I said, that's why we will respect uh, the times we're in, um, because uh, there's people really suffering out there. Like, you know, we gotta, we gotta, um, we gotta do them proud when we're on the pitch. We gotta represent them in the right way. And I think the players have done that. Uh, but we've also got to remember them as well when, when uh, it's a, it's a, what is it? It's a Wednesday morning and, and uh, that phone call the ground can make, can make his day, like you know. So we've got to remember that small gestures on our part can come in, uh, come in a lot to a lot of people, like you know. Absolutely. Um, just to wish you congratulations and uh, obviously best of luck. Thankfully, there's a lot of this season still to debate and uh, cup and league. And uh, congratulations from me and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for your time, Stephen. No problem. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Don't forget to visit lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE Electricity Premier Division and European markets. And this week, Lotoland is boosting Dundalk to score against Arsenal. You can get odds of 3-1. to one. Visit lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. The one, the one thing I would say about Stephen Bradley is I felt that... Now, I wouldn't have done post-match... I've never done a post-match chat with Stephen Bradley and... Uh, I, I thought he was very honest in a lot of his post-match stuff um, and that it was part of his inexperience maybe in the job and something that he maybe has slightly changed in time. But I don't know the, the reference to Stephen McPhail there, Dan. And when you think of it, Stephen Bradley, after that Dundalk game that you referenced, the 5-2, it, it was probably surprising to a lot of people that Rovers stuck with him. Mm. And I think he did learn in terms of as a manager, everything that entails, and as much as he might consider himself, I'm a football man, I'm putting together a good team here. There's so much to it, and there is a lot of pressure managing Shamrock Rovers. And I'm thinking of that game against Dundalk, if this season, the 3-2, the, the, how much you could have kicked on as a Shamrock Rovers team this season. Massive crowd there, saw an unbelievable game, so much of a buzz. And they have kind of created something that's quite good there, but I, I think he has kind of grown maybe with the job in terms of just yeah, the young manager. 
Yeah, no, he definitely has. I mean, like, you've, like Stephen Bradley is 35, you know, and, mm. and like he, I know that there's a trend towards younger managers generally now, but still, like you think, you know, he was, like his playing career finished, you know, earlier than he would have wanted naturally. Although, and I know he spoke with us last year that once his playing career wasn't going to get to the level he thought it should have, he, he turned his mind to he turned yeah. his mind to coaching. But like, of course, like, and 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 I think you know sometimes he did he did say the other day you know that he, like he he of course there were some doubts, but 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 I think obviously when you're a manager that's under a small bit of pressure, you obviously don't want to when you're when you're struggling, you can't come out and say stuff like that because then seized upon as weakness. If you mm-hmm. know what I mean, that when things are when things are going bad for you and you're a young manager, uh, but you still have to come out and be confident and present yourself in a particular way. But like, but obviously, when your results aren't going well, then you will get mocked a bit for that. You know, like there obviously would have been times where you know the Bows game and the stuff about well, this is their cup final, and then they they kept losing those games, and that adds to the that adds to the sort of the like you know Bows fans weren't they singing about Stephen Bradley? You know, like they wanted Stephen Bradley to stay in a job or a version of that. Mm. And, and I can understand why he had to come out and portray things the way he did at that stage. But but like now you actually I think you find now a more reflective Stephen Bradley when he speaks absolutely and and that comes from the position of winning and when you start to win you can probably be more confident in how you present yourself and you can you've got he's got the credit in the bank now and he can he can he can he can talk in a different way if you know what I mean um, now he's got the credibility of like he's the league winning manager um, he's a cup winning manager he might be a double winning manager um, he's clearly built a team that has a very firm identity about how it wants to play. Um, they've, they've, their recruitment has, has got better, you know, to the point where now they're, they're sort of, you can see that they're, they're, they're recruiting in strengthening areas where they needed a player. Um, whereas in the early days, I, I felt, you know, they're naturally just trying to get players in, but they're clearly just a real pattern to everything they're doing now. And I mean, let's be honest, uh, they've, they've been far better than, uh, everyone else this year I'm glad that I know we spoke earlier a bit about the league this year and there's no doubt like it's not ideal how it's all, all finished up and, and you know you want what you still want to want to have some glorious moments where they, they, they won it on the pitch and stuff but maybe you know maybe that game with Dundalk um, that was where, the they, where they win 3-2 maybe that's the, the, the pitcher on the postcard of, mm. of of the season, you know that, that. If you think about that night, you could almost take that night. Well, that was the best of, advertisement of the League of Ireland that we will probably but, ever see. But but if you could, you could almost take that night as a microcosm of their struggle to some degree. You know mm. that that it is the type of game they would have lost previously. You know there was a wonder goal from Jordan Flores that probably would have knocked a lot of teams back, and it did actually knock them back for a few minutes in the game. You know they fall behind um, to Pahuban's goal. And you're thinking, oh, here we go, classic. It's like that Dundalk game last year. Classic. The, the old dogs are going to win it here. You know, they're going to they're going to win it with their experience, and they've been there before, and all of that. And they turned it around and they won it. And it was a bit of Jack Byrne quality to win it too. And when you think about it, that's like the perfect. Um, that's the perfect way to remember their season, maybe in a way. Well, here, here's one for you on that now. If Jack Byrne were to leave, would they take a punt on Danny Mandrew? Well. It's funny. I asked there. I asked Stephen Baddy there about a with or without Jack Byrne plan, and I, I kind of wonder. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Danny Mandrew ended up at, at Shamrock Rovers 
I think that's been well documented. That story is out there. Um, but you know, you wonder like, do, do you need him? Do you need him if Jack goes, or do, or do you just take him anyway because he's such a talented player and, and like you know? Or do you trust Dylan uh, Watson and players like that? Yeah, well, I think I think Watson. I think Watts might be. You know, I think they've. I, I think Watts is committed for the long term there now, and he's very much part mm. of the plans. But like at the same time, like when good players become available, you still you still take them. Um, but well, the, play, I, I, the players that we'll say the players that haven't really had a massive uh, play this season: Sean Kavanagh, um, yeah. Dylan Watts, Greg Bulger was injured, Gaffney as well was obviously injured. Yeah, Gaffney didn't get a chance to to do something like Dean Williams has been good. Mm. You would say that if they are still looking to go to the next level next year, and and we'll see what happens with with Jack Byrne, obviously, and he's still going to be like Jack is, is so good that no matter how good they are, it still would be a blow to lose them, and and you know. Like that, that's still you can't underestimate the challenge that would present. Um, there's probably still room, depending on what happens with Gaffney, like he's been unlucky with injury, there probably is still room for another striker there. I'm sure that would be part of their you know, everyone's looking for a good striker, I suppose, in the league, and it doesn't, mm. it doesn't stop. But, um, and, and I suppose they have to be conscious of, of Joey O'Brien and, and Ronan Finn look great, but I suppose if you have a couple of older players, you know, you, you have to look in those areas. But, but really, their squad is pretty. Well, they have strong. they have Marshall coming in on the right, and they their back three next season could be Scales, Grace, and Lopez. Oh, like I mean, O'Brien. Listen, O'Brien looks, and let's be honest, there hasn't been the most arduous season of all time mm. in terms of games. So, like you know, you'd imagine that those those older players will be absolutely fine. I'm just saying, just like just six year, just six month, one year, eighteen month plans, as he sort of alluded to there. Like they might be areas where they have to look and see what's the succession plan in those positions but like I, I do believe certainly like you know I, I'd be very very surprised if anyone else won the league next year I have to say would you, you know? yeah I really would yeah I don't, I don't what are their biggest challengers um, it still should be Dundalk purely because they have the budget to sign very good players um, and while Bowes are uh, have been the second best team this year and, and are very much there on merit um. The, the fear, like I mean, I think Andy Lyons it seems to be a suggestion he might be going away. Um, there's always a danger that they're going to be they're going to be asset stripped to some degree. Have they not uh, got 1.5 million for Doherty? Well, I, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to just go out spending that now. That, that could be a training ground. I, listen, I don't think Bose. I don't think Bose will be far away. But I'm just saying that the Dock are still the team with the most potential to challenge them purely because they have the spending power. If they get things right, to sign, like to you know, to sign a, a higher class of player. That's mm. that's basically my reason. But like at the same time, they have loads of players out of contract. They don't seem to be in a mad rush to be to sort things out with that. The manager still doesn't know if they're going to be in charge next year. It does seem like the message from the club is that they might, they might, maybe in a couple of weeks they might start to look at stuff when they've a couple, when the fixtures dies down a bit. But like. The problem they have now is that Rovers are sort of back, in a way, back to where Dundalk were in probably 2014, 2015, 2016, where, and this is why I wouldn't be surprised if Rovers next year did a Dundalk 2016 in terms of how they fared in Europe, that, that if you think of the start of 2016, Dundalk only signed Benson and McElhenney. They didn't need to do that much. But they lost Howell, they signed Benson and McElhenney, but their squad was such a well-oiled thing, they didn't need to do much. Whereas I feel, yes, Dundalk have the power to challenge them. But you also sense that Dundalk need to do a bit of a rebuild. 
which oh, are strong, whereas Rovers d- don't. And as a result, like it's very hard to see them. It's very hard to see them not pushing on. And, and when, before we, just before we get to Greg Sloggett, is that any motivation for Jack Byrne that like all of the moves that he might, um, you know, feasibly realise over the next while, if he stays with Shamrock Rovers, he will be playing in Europe next season. He'll be playing probably a decent team, possibly a good chance getting into Europa League group stages or some sort of a chance. Is that any motivation for him? Um, I've, I've no doubt it's a factor. And the fact that he's living in Dublin, living yeah, in I, I think I think that's more of a thing, you know. I don't think like the problem Rovers still have with the Champions League is they're still on the cusp of being seeded or unseeded, mm. and it is very much look at a draw. Like you, you can talk about you can talk about their great prospects in Europe all you want, then they end up unseeded and they 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 end up I don't know playing pick you know Carabag or someone you know in the first round. I'm not saying they couldn't beat them, but you know what I mean. You end up mm. playing a very hard team, and then you go straight into that conference league. You don't even get if you lose your first round, you go into the uh, conference league. You skip the Europa League. You don't get to go into it. So that first round tie is crucial. So I don't think Jack can make a career decision in his life just around a draw next June. I don't think you can do that. I think more of a consideration with him will be what does it mean for Ireland in the short term, um, what he moves. And, and to be honest, like he's 24, you know, what does it mean from financially, everything, everything, like in terms of just his, his, where his professional career is going, where this is his job. Like if he has an opportunity, we all like to think that players look at things and, well, what, what is best for my football? And of course, like, you know, there's a debate around that. But like, you know, Jack will probably get some very good offers in the winter, you know, that, that will be far bigger than what Shamrock Rovers would ever be able to offer him. So it's only natural he's going to look at them. Um, and, 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 you know, any player in this league would do that if they had the options that he does and, and will have. Um, but but I, I think the one thing he needs to be wary of, I think, is not just jumping at the first one either because, like, he does have... He has people... Jack probably, if he follows coverage about him, you'll hear people saying, oh, well, it didn't happen from a Wigan, it didn't happen from Blackburn, mm. whatever. And, but, but he does have those marks against him that he doesn't want to go somewhere and it to be a short-lived thing. So like, he needs to go somewhere where the manager and the club are very much invested in him so that it can work for him. Um, because the last thing he needs is to just go somewhere because it's the best offer. And then you suddenly find, actually, this manager doesn't want to play me. Absolutely. And... And then he's knocked back. And I'm sure like he's in with the Ireland squad. Listen, there's probably people in the Ireland squad are saying, like, what are you going to do? You know, people, he hears the commentary of people saying if he wants to play for Ireland, he needs to be playing at a higher level. So, of course, he'll want to go and test himself at that level. But, you know, I, I, I think the one thing you can say in the pandemic world, it's a weird world. Like, um, do you, like would sitting and waiting a bit longer? Like, it's not as if Ireland are in the Euros next summer. So you need to be in your... In, in the for, frame of mind for that, there's there's not that much of a rush, but, but but let's be honest, like I don't expect him to be here this time next year. If they you can, don't, if no, but like if they can keep him for another uh, while, like that would be a coup. If they could say to him, listen, like I, I often think that the best time for a player uh, to leave our league to make an impact is the summer. I do because you're in form, you're playing, and you you can go straight into a team when they're in pre-season and hit the ground running. Whereas I think sometimes going in winter time, you know, your season stops, 
then you're going to the league where they're in full flow. You're a bit behind. You're playing catch up. Um, it's not always an easy thing for someone to do, and uh, that's just 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 the point I would I would make about that. But let's be honest: if 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 a, if a club in the championship makes a proper play for him uh, and offers him a really good deal, uh, and they, they tell him the right things, he's probably going to go, isn't he? Uh, meanwhile, Arsenal are playing Dundalk uh, on Thursday, and we spoke to Greg Slog at the head of the game. Greg, how are you getting on? Good. Yeah, no, it's an exciting week. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely feeling good. Got to reflect on the game against Malde. It was kind of, must have been disappointing considering how you played, particularly in the first half, individually and collectively. And uh, I guess the fact that you just didn't get Anton out of a game in which you, you offered so much. Yeah, I think, you know, as everyone would say, that was probably the one game, um, particularly where you were looking to, to, to make the most of. Um, definitely a, a winnable sort of fixture. Um, and I think... We probably did enough to to warrant a point, really, in the in the in the first half, anyway. Um, and then we kind of fifteen twenty minute spell that that killed us at the start of the second half. Um, just really put us on the back foot, and and, and they capitalised, and we didn't deal with it well. Um, just so, just on that, I know I know people are giving out that you were too defensive, but was it just a case of they were actually good, and you just couldn't really get on the ball? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a few different ways. You you kind of reflect and look back, and you're like, should we have just turn them and get up the pitch or should we have been braver in possession and and try to, to beat their press and, and, and stabilize some possession or, or or what it is. But like sometimes it just it just doesn't happen straight away and it takes you time to figure it out. And by that stage they had they got a couple of goals and, and they were happy to sit back. So yeah, it's uh, frustrating, you know, you, you wish you'd you wish you found the solution sooner. Um and you know you can look back in the video and, and and say things how you how you could change things and make things different now, but it's it's easy in hindsight. What what type of learning experience is that game for someone like you, Greg? Like you know, there's guys there who played group stages before, so they probably had an idea of of what it would be like. Um, just how did you find the level of the game compared to maybe Anthony you've experienced previously? Yeah, I like it's hard to say. Um, if you're if you're playing against a very good team who keeps possession, sometimes it feels quite similar. You know, there'll be spells where you're playing against Shamrock Rovers and and you have to sit off and and be defensive and be compact. And you know, it it, it doesn't feel too dissimilar. Um, but you know, they're quality players. Uh, uh, like looking at the video and stuff and before the game, you, you knew what to expect. And I, I really do think we we held our own very well in the first half. Um, I know from an individual standpoint. Um, it was there was a certain element of fatigue in in the second half. Uh, the two ninety minutes on on Friday Monday um, definitely contributed to to my legs possibly running out of steam. I know I had growing difficulty at, at half time. Um, so like I I do think that's a factor, but it's no excuse. Every team has to has to deal with these issues. Who's playing in Europe? You know, no no more so than Arsenal this week. Who will play United at the weekend as well? So you know. It can't be an excuse, but um, it's just disappointing the way we start the second half um, and, and conceded two easy yeah, goals. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I know it's been a sort of an eventful season for a number of reasons. And long story short, you're in a battle to try and qualify for Europe now. And if you, if you didn't have that stress, I think it's, it's possible that the approach to these games might be different. But, I mean, like the, the Waterford game on Sunday, the Pats game on, on this coming Sunday... Like they're big games, and is that like? Do you feel that this it's a, it's sort of hurting you a small bit around these European games? 
Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. And we probably shot ourselves in in the foot earlier on um, after lockdown by by not um, being more clinical and and being more ruthless in the games we had then. Um, so look, it's, we have to have one eye in the league because it is hugely important um, to, to 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 qualify for Europe next year. Like you're looking at going away to Arsenal now on Thursday with St. Pat's at the weekend. And do you expect to get anything out of the Arsenal game? You know, so like what financial benefit to the club is that? Um, and, and and really like, should you just be prioritising the, the St. Pat's game, which really, really in some ways um, you should. But look, I... <laughs> It's it's hard for me to say. I'm 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 pumped for for, for Arsenal and, and and really looking forward to it. And I'll I'll be dying to be playing on the pitch. You yeah, can kind of say that after the game, like in the post match. If you lose, you can say, well, to be honest, lads, we were actually prioritising the Pats game this weekend. It's like we <laughs> didn't read really, to like, our full hands. Yeah, yeah. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. All you're right. being very yeah. honest, so I know exactly what you're saying. The Pats game is a massive game. It is a huge game. It is a huge game. But I'm not just saying that because like I want to play against Arsenal as much as anybody, you know, there's not a single player in that dressing room won't be bitterly disappointed not to be, not to be starting on, mm. on Thursday night. You know what I mean? Um, and probably more so than, than, than the Pats game this weekend. You know what I mean? And that's just being brutally honest. Yeah. I think that that's very, I think everyone gets that really, you know, deep down, everyone knows that like just as players, like you, you're used to doing, you know, your prep before every game. I know you're traveling tomorrow. We're speaking on Tuesday, actually. Now this is going out on Wednesday. But um, like as players, like you, you do your research on your next opponent, you do your video session and stuff. Is it a bit surreal when it's Arsenal? Yeah, it's the exact same word I used earlier. To texting a friend, we were we were doing a lot of video work on them today. Like, and you're looking at them play Leicester and Liverpool, and you know how Liverpool might counter Arsenal's press, or you know, and you're like, can we replicate that really? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's definitely surreal. But it's. Uh, it's it's cool to be to be in that position, and you know we we all feel awful lucky to, to be to be you know on the brink of playing and playing in the Emirates this week. You know, yeah, like I know, like it's very hard to figure out what team they might play. Obviously, there's the, I was speaking to someone the other day who wondered if the team they played on Sunday is the team that that doesn't play on Thursday. But in terms of sort of midfield players, you could be coming up against like what do you like who do you admire and respect? On, on their side I mean I, I guess all of them but like who in particular are you looking at yeah I mean like I guess some of the conversations about who, who whose jersey can you get at the end of the game really in, in some ways um, is that allowed in COVID now I'm not even sure if that's allowed <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm yeah. going to say it's allowed um, yeah. and I'm going to turn a blind eye um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously have to edit this out if there's a COVID right. drama arising <laughs> yeah I know that's fair enough <laughs> um It'll be behind the scenes, I suppose. It won't be won't be tops off at the end of the game. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> anyway, I'll say no more. Um, but well, what was no, Shane Keegan's opposition analysis like? He's like, yeah, a couple of players here just keep an eye on or whatever. Yeah, look, we know that there'll be there'll be a handful of changes. I'm sure. Um, do we expect Aubameyang, Lacazette, Jacka, the likes to start? Probably not. You know, they they have a big week in the Premier League no more against Leicester and then at the weekend so like we we know they're ringing the changes I mean you can still look at the style of play that um, Arteta has brought in and it will apply to every position that, that they will try to play a similar brand of football so you know you're looking at that and you're, you're analysing the players regardless of who they are and it's just how they play um, how they press how they move the ball 
what formation, that sort of thing. Um, and it doesn't matter who swaps in and swaps out, they'll, they'll play the same sort of football. Is there any sort of fear um, how you know this game could go kind of badly wrong if, if, if you started badly? Is there any fear or are you kind of confident that you can hold your own and at the very Not least enjoy the experience as well? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any fear, you know. Sure, we have we have nothing nothing to lose, you know. Mm. Absolutely nothing to lose. If we go and go over there and get routed, then look, no harm done, you know. In a lot of ways, it's Arsenal, and well, we don't expect it all. It hasn't even entered entered the frame of mind um, whatsoever, you know. We're we're over there to to you know compete and and hopefully come home with a point or more. And and I don't think we can face it any other way. Like if they if they're going to ring in changes. You know what's to say it's any different to an FA Cup tie over there, where we've seen plenty of plenty of teams, you know, come and and pull the results out uh, through the years against top English sides. So you know we've got none to lose. What yeah. do your what do your mates make of of it all? Like, is this the one week we can't now? one hand you'd normally have them looking for tickets and all that stuff and that's all that's all gone but what do your sort of friends make of this I mean you are like well you're from me isn't it like you're not necessarily from like a, a, a stronghold of the game like what do they make of, of this no I think uh, for a lot of for a lot of my friends like this is just finally recognition from a lot of them who don't follow <laughs> the, the football game in Ireland. Oh, he's a footballer. He actually is a footballer. <laughs> they, actually, yeah, they actually they actually recognise the name Arsenal, like yeah. you know, so it's uh it's it's almost recognition from them yeah. um for the first time, which is unusual. But um I know it's great really. Like it is it is a really like it's a huge name. So it's uh we're delighted to see that come out of the out of the draw. Oh. What's it been like for the Italian boys as well, the, the experience last week? Filippo says after the game, you know, he kind of scrutinised himself, I suppose, and they do seem to be honest. You imagine it kind of hurt them that you didn't get a result against Malda. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it does. I think, I think it's been a hell of a ride for them, you know. It's just a short spell of time we've, we've qualified for the European group stage. I don't even know how they feel about it. So I haven't had I haven't had a chance to maybe sit down and understand from their perspective how they feel about everything. But they're they're brutally honest and they'll tell you how it is. And that was the one thing I really liked about them on day one, you know, um came in and, you know, nearly nearly just explained how bizarre it was he felt nearly to be to be there and like because we were all standing around, you know, looking at each other like who who are these boys, you know? Um but they were brutal honest, brutally honest and and they have been to to everyone and and they've really, um, they've really grown a fondness from us um, to 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 how we should play, and and I think they've been brilliant. You know, obviously they're disappointed that we didn't didn't uh, beat Malda, but I think tactically they um, they have every blade covered. You know. Yeah, they 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 haven't. Um, you know, you get the impression that you guys are playing for them, and you've enjoyed playing for them as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a real shame it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't been plainer, plainer sailing in the league. You know, it's it really is a is a thorn in my side looking at the league table. Um, and no doubt you'll touch on other features of the league this week and the podcast. Um, but it has been it has been tough to to watch that unfold. Um, and well, Shamrock Rovers winning the league must be tough as well because it's been a formality, I guess, for so long, and it should have been a closer race. Yeah, look, everyone's disappointed about that, you know, and it's just, you, you couldn't afford, in an 18-game season, you can't afford to slip up for a few games, and, you know, we did, essentially, as I as I referred to earlier, after, after lockdown, and we, we, we stuttered, and that was enough, you know, um, and we haven't put that right, even in our form, yet, so um, that's why St. Pat's is, is a focus now at this stage of the season, um, and it's just at 
it is it's deflating to be looking at that league table but uh, i i'm thankful we have um the group stages to focus on because it would have been a a rough end of the season otherwise yeah i mean is it do you get your head around the fact that you know on a normal tuesday wednesday thursday in these european weeks if you see these highlights packages of all the games around europe you can see them all if you want like do you ever stop and think that a lot of people in different parts of europe are just going to be watching these games now it's not just your 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 normal sort of audience that these are these are sort of events that they will be watched, even if it's just the goals or the highlights. They're going to be watched by people all around the world. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it is crazy. Um, I guess it's something I haven't really thinking of, thinking about either because you just have game after game after game, you know. Um, you would love to be in a more comfortable position in the league to, to really properly embrace these and, and just enjoy the experience. Um, but it's as soon as the game's over, you're just recovering for the, for the next game and the focus needs to switch. Um but it's a platform for all of us to, to go and express ourselves and play, and you never know what might might come of it. You know, these 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 European ties. It's just such a huge um, huge following for these games. Yeah, it does almost seem from what you're saying that there's almost an incentive there if you could just get the European thing done at least, you could actually enjoy the rest of the campaign to some degree, the rest of the games. Ah, yeah. I mean. Like, it's not that I won't be able to enjoy going over of to course, now. Of <laughs> course, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's a fair point. I know what you're saying. Now, maybe but, uh, professionally, I, I understand the, the the perception of it. You know, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. I think everyone, I think everyone, um, can understand that uh, the league is is such a priority. And I think from Filippo's perspective, maybe he'd he'd like to be able to rest a few few odd players. I know Michael Duffy's played, you know, ferocious amount of games now on the bounce. Um, and I'm sure being able to rest him in the lead up to a big European game might be might be helpful. But you know, look, what can you do? We've we've uh, we've got to qualify for next year. I think there's one thing we can predict from the game and the Emirates is that Sean Murray's going to score a header. Um, and Dan pointed this out to me. I think after the game against Pharaoh's crowd, he said, "I don't think Sean Murray's ever gotten a header before. He's just gotten two in the last two European games, and he did it again in Tala. And it was it's just an unbelievable anomaly at this stage." I was I was wondering is there a stat out there for how many European games in a row someone has scored a header in because <laughs> he, he could be up there all of a sudden um, no it's incredible I think some of the lads were joking that he was the worst header in the club last year and <laughs> now he's three on the bouncer <laughs> well whatever it is um, it's it's phenomenal it's phenomenal going Jesus he put his head on the end of anything well listen Greg it's been great to have you on I'm just going to you know we, uh, we appreciate your time and I said I hope you really enjoy the experience this week come what may and uh, yeah We'll talk to you again. Yeah, Brilliant. cheers. Thanks, Thanks a million, Thanks for our sponsors, Lotteland, where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SE Electricity Premier Division and European markets. Visit the Price Booster section on the Lotteland website, where you'll find some Europa League price boosts. And earlier on, we gave the price boost of Dundalk to score against Arsenal. That's three to one. They're also boosting Dundalk plus two, and that's boosted to four to one. And you can avail of these price boosters at lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Yeah, very honest stuff from Greg there. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit strange. And I do remember like the Shamrock Rovers uh, 2011, rather, Europa League run. I was absolutely buzzing for it. And same with uh, Dundalk in 2016. And this one is just like, just a bit different. It's kind of, I, I just hope Dundalk kind of quits themselves well. But um, if you were over, if you were over in London tonight, Johnny, you'd probably be thinking different. You know, and that's the reality. I think. Mm, yeah, I, I know that there's obviously a feeling about how it might go, but I'm telling you, like that's that's yeah, absolutely that's affecting the perception of the whole thing. Two beers in, and they're going to get a two-all draw. Like, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three bears in, they're going to lose four 0 You know, like whatever yeah. depends on your mood. But like, it's it's there's no doubt that that is affecting the experience of it. Like, I just know it. Like, like if if they were if if if, if they were over there now tonight, you'd be seeing you know pictures and videos. You might be there yourself, as you'd say. You'd have ah, it'd just be a different. To be completely different feel about the whole thing. And if you if you were running Dundalk, would you would you be thinking of offering um, Tim Clancy and Kev Doherty the Dundalk job next season on the back on the back of what they've done at Drada, or would you be like, no, we're going to stick with Giovagnoli, or we're going to look elsewhere? That's not, that's left field. That's a left field shout, son. Who 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 are they going to give the job to next season? Well, now you're making it look like I'm going to insult Tim and uh, Kevin Doherty if I say that. Like that wouldn't be the option to go for. I think Tim's going to have a very good job in the league, uh, you know, within the next year or two. That's for sure. Well, Tim Tim Clancy's uh, doing a job where basically he's he's working nights with um you know like a cash and carry or whatever because he's working part time more or less in the first division. And what he and Kev have done is is quite fascinating. It, it in is terms of it a is. very small budget. Like so it now is. you have what, who did Dundalk go for? But let's look. Okay, if Dundalk were if Dundalk's owners were of the mind. To be thinking of well, owner or owners, well, owners slash chairman representative of the owners. If they were of a mind that they wanted to like go out and and go for an appointment based on what is successful elsewhere, they don't to sign to bring in Keith Long or Trevor Crawley. Right, like, like they have the financial power to do that. Like, would I mean, they take the job? But I don't know. But like, I don't know they're thinking that way. They're not like they're not thinking that way. That's not how they're. Th- this is not how the Dundalk thing. Like you, you are, you are, you were doing what you would. You were talking in, in terms that they would be looking at these candidates as options, as part of like a vision that they have. They don't have that vision. Like they're 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 they're, they're, they're trying something different. I sort of still think, as much as Filippo probably hasn't got things right in a couple of the league games, I think at this stage. There's too much ground to be lost by leaving the managerial uncertainty the way it is. I think they should be, they should be saying to them, "Yeah, we're giving you next season, you know." And and now you can start. I cannot you know, believe you're saying this. Yeah, I, I I do believe that. I I do believe that. Like, it's, I do believe that. Based on what? Well, let's be honest, right? I, I I'm saying this in a very cynical terms. They have the money to get rid of them if things aren't working. Mm. But at the moment, what you have is this strange... Like, it's not as if a contract is permanent and you can't get out of it. But mm. I guess what I'm saying is that now, it's October, they're playing games until December the 10th against Arsenal. And are you going to wait until December the 11th to decide who your manager is for next season and, and you know, decide what players are going to play for you next season? Like That, to me, makes no sense. The players still they liked them. Their game plans, as I said, for the European games have been good. Yes, mm. they, 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 the Finn Harps and Waterford games, you would say they've been a bit complacent against Finn Harps and maybe the Waterford one, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think you can, you can see patterns ahead they're playing. Like, the first half of the Molder game was excellent. Excellent. Yeah, they were good. So, yeah. so I, I think when they're there now, I think you 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 backed them. That would be my opinion, um, because like they need to start looking to next season now, or else Rovers are gone over the hill completely and away and gone. And I don't think you can, I don't think you can wait until 
December. Um, I, I just don't think that's 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 a smart play. And I'm just telling you, if it doesn't work with Filippo and, and Giuseppe, they have the means to, to finish it quickly if needs be. So, like finish it quickly, yeah, sounds very like uh, no ominous, and that's a very negative way of looking at it. And it might be disrespectful to talk in those terms. I guess what I'm just saying is that they are a club that that like doesn't need to, is it like a contract for a manager. Like they can, they could, they could give them the, they could give them the, the, the power to go and make decisions now with a view to next year, and they, they could review things if things go really badly in the next couple of months. But I think yeah. there, there comes a stage where they just need to start thinking and give because, from my understanding of it, no one can do anything there because they don't know who the manager is going to be next year. Yeah, and yeah, that's, I, I, that, that's an unhealthy situation. You need you need some sort of stability. Um, I, I do think that uh, Doherty and Clancy probably haven't gotten the credit they've deserved for the budget that Drogheda have been on for how close they've been, how close they went last season. And they've won the league this season with a budget that's probably mid-table-ish, fourth or fifth maybe in the first division. And they have produced a team that just knows its job. And you were at the game last night. What did you make of it? I was, yeah. Um Nervy drugs. They were very poor in the first half, you know. Mm. So, just goes to show, Johnny. Like you know, footballers aren't robots, you know. And mm. if you and this is something to bear in mind for Premier Division. If it, once it goes to the last day, it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be human error, human human frailty. It's never going to be plain sailing. Like it's not a normal game. It's not just any other game. And you could see in the first half in that game, Cavatini, the Drada were just like, this is not just Drada playing with freedom that they normally might as a team that can score a lot of goals. This is a team that knows they're in control. They can't screw this up. And as a result, you almost start going into a mode where you, you start to screw things up. You're like, you know, they're giving away City fouls, Tim Clancy. That was actually, that was actually Shell's performance last season in United Park when they knew they should have, they should yeah. have just sewn up. Tim Clancy was losing his mind on the sideline because his players kept fouling Cavantini like 30, 35 yards from goal when they're strong and mm. set pieces. Fear. And just thinking, what, what are you doing? But descending off for Cavantini, second yellow, uh, first yellow, you can argue maybe maybe a bit harsh. Um, that that helped, and then a great solo goal. And you watch more first division than me, so I'm not going to bluff it. But it does seem to be a, a a firm view that it's probably a fair result in terms of of who has gone up. But anyway, after the game, uh, we spoke to uh, I, I I was this is more group interviews, but uh, as as fr- friend of the pod. Um, Jake Highland and uh, the captain and before that I heard from uh, Connor Hoy the broader chairman who, who spoke more in broader terms about maybe what this you know what should happen now with the club as a consequence and, and then we hear from Jake afterwards for the town more than anything you know it's tough times in Drogheda and actually to see the town of something to, to lift it like this but the main thing I said to somebody earlier the main thing now is we need a stadium to play you know, United Park's not fit for purpose. Turner's Cross has now gone down to the first division. We're replacing. We're not good. It's not good enough. And we have a site. We have a buyer for United Park, uh, and we need the FAI and uh, and and to be honest with you, you know, the government to pull their fingers out and start investing in facilities, not just for us, but for every club in the league. And that's the big thing that the new CEO of the FAI has to focus on is facilities. So that's the only way the league is going to improve. Whether it's a new stadium for Dundalk, Andrada, or whoever it is, we can't. This isn't good enough. 
right? Just the league, the quality of the play and everything deserves better. So, you know, that's to me, it's a big thing tonight is, is that it's whilst this is great, if you want to push the league on, facilities, facilities, facilities. And, I, you know, that's what I'm going to be pushing for in the next year, anyway, certainly for Toronto. But every club wants to do it as well. You know, and there's lots of great people involved across the clubs who just want to see better facilities for supporters. Is, is now the time you can do it? Sorry, Jan. Like, is now the time you can do it when you've. you've Good publicity tomorrow, well, headlines, will, and you actually yeah, but, I mean, raise the question. Yeah, and there's a new CEO in the FAI. Like, you know, we're in great position. We have a bar for United Park, ready to give us two and a half million. We have a site. We have a county council backing. We have the FAI supposedly on site. And we have a government who we need, knows that there needs to be investment in facilities across the league, not just for us. And we don't need to own a stadium. It's a stadium to me, I like the municipal stadium idea that a stadium's there for all football in the town. And that's the biggest thing going forward I want to see, you know. And this is hopefully a springboard to propel that to the thinking of people. And they see, you know, we all know what United Park's like. It's not, you know, it's, it's not good enough. And, so, and we're not going to invest in it. We have to move. So now's the time to really push that. So that's, that'll be nice. Well, well I, I think we need, you know, look, it all depends on the stages of stadium. You know what I mean? If for, for two or three million, you can build a, a I'm going to say an athlone type thing. Yeah. For seven or eight million, you start to get to three, four, five thousand capacity. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's what we need, you know, and, and hopefully when crowds are back. And, but it's not going to happen overnight. But it's not, it was, I don't say that just for Drada. I mean it for all the clubs in the league. And if you talk to anybody in the FAI now, they just need to talk about facilities, facilities. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, like, it's only Tim's third year in, in management and I think the strides that we've taken in the past three years, let it be the group or the players individually. Like, he's a manager who really, I, I get on well with him because he works hard on me individually to make me a bit better player. I feel like I am playing the best football in my career, so... To be going to the Premier Division now and to have a go at it, look, uh, we're, we're over the moon. What's it been like this year? Like, I know it's ending the normal time, but just a long shutdown. I'm sure training's been a bit weird and just everything about well, everything Yeah, it's been weird. weird last week because uh, we didn't have a game because our game against Galway and Wexford were called off obviously because of COVID. And then this is the first time in probably inch since we've been in the Premier Division that we've played three games in a week. We, like, we played Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So uh, it's tough on the legs. Like, first minute tonight, I felt uh, my hip flexor. But uh, just one of them, he just had to manage the game. Though. He got the red card. We've got experienced lads, Huey and Dell and that, and uh, Chris Lyons that we could manage the game and, and see it out in the league. Looking forward to going back to Daily Mount? Yeah, I can't wait. Look, out to all the big grounds, talent, Daily Mount. As I said, uh, it's a really good group, and I think uh, we'll, we'll bring something to the league. Yeah, in fairness, Connor obviously from um, you know uh, family seat in uh, Drada history, they they've run a very tight ship. Um, I suppose his his, about... uh, his his Drada accent is about as strong yeah. as my, as strong as my RD accent. To be fair, yeah, you're you're you. I've met several people who have accused you of having a posh accent, and I've always defended you. And I don't think you have a posh accent, to be honest. I don't think you have a... I would suspect Connor is probably... I, I don't actually know. Like, mm. I spent a bit of time in the south side of Dublin, and yeah. to be fair, you know. So did I. But to, to, well, you lived in like Christchurch, whatever. To, but, um, I went to UCD, you know. And yeah, it like, does, doesn't doesn't really count. Uh, you went to college in Dublin, yeah, but um, no, I, you, I, like you know, you you kept your your authenticity. You know, you're sort of this is it. You did the, I, the, the Galway man, you want to trust, but should you trust them? You know. Well, I did. I, I did. I, that. I did a piece for the currency uh, about the FEI Ireland year, and I spoke to him, and he. He was very um, complimentary of what Bowes were doing in terms of, you know, working the community. And I think Drogheda have a big chance if we can get crowds back. I think they've they've just done a really, really good job there with, with players that actually want to play for the club. And uh, I, I think they'll have a good season next season if they can kind of keep 
Tim and Kevin. Kev Doherty to lose his dad this year as well, uh, Dan. I think I think it was a very emotional night for him um, in the sense of just the achievement that they've had because they were so close last season and um, he's just one of the good guys of the game. And I, I am actually looking forward to loud derbies next season, draw it against Dundalk, whoever's going to be managing uh, Dundalk at that time. And, um, you know, fair play to Drogs. I think they, they thoroughly deserve to be back in the Premier Division. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the... Yeah, like, hopefully there'll be crowds back for when that derby comes to pass. Will yeah. there? Well, I don't know. Well, Jesus Christ, Johnny, it's a bit late in the night now for pandemic predictions. Jesus. Mm, PP. But, but, <laughs> but mm. like, the... the um, Yeah, like, I'm delighted. Yeah, delighted for Tim. You mentioned, like, the, the commitment he's put in and, and Kevin Doherty was going to be out delivering the post still at 7 o'clock in the morning day after the game. So It's a bonkers situation as well because Bray were in a position where... I always make this point about like the, the championship in England. The team that finishes third is mentally on a downer going into playoffs. And Bray should have more or less won the league, the position they got in. Eight points clear of UCD. But now they get into the situation where whoever they face as well, if they do win you know, the first division battle, it'll be very, very tough against that Premier Division team, who at the moment like should probably beat the first division opposition. Well, this is it. Like... So I've heard you say, and some people are telling me, well, you know, the first division has been really exciting this year, which it undoubtedly has. But then people say, well, the quality has been very good. But again, I'd be a bit sort of wary of that the teams have all finished in a different in a, standard. Like, yeah, different. they've all finished in a bit of a heap. Like, you know, like ultimately, I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you, but if it was another series of games, Galway would definitely have finished, you know, in the in the in the shakeup. Mm. And so maybe it does make you feel that that the premier team should be too strong but it's going to be in a neutral venue it's going to be a mm. no it's going to be a, a anything can happen and and it's very as i said earlier it's very possible that the premier club might be thinking we shouldn't really be here you know um yeah. if, it, if it's not finn harps whoever's there is going to be a bit shell shocked i mean ollie horgan is mentally prepared for the playoffs <laughs> ollie, ollie horgan has been mentally prepared oh. for the playoffs since january you know, I, I honestly couldn't get over. Whoever else is there is is is, is, is it could be a shock to the system. Like I, I can't take him seriously anymore after that Bowes interview. Like you beat Pats and you've a, you've a massive chance of finishing like ahead of the playoff, and he's just given up on it. I mean, where, where's he won- from? Where's Ollie from? Ollie is from Galway. And what was it I said a few minutes ago about you know the Galwegians? You know they've they've kept their accent. You know, a bit of charm. Uh, can, Ollie's can accent. You, can, can you, Ollie can you, pronounces every S with an S H. Can, can you can you can you tr- can you trust them really? Like, do I even trust you? Like, I I sometimes wonder. You know, I mean, I fundamentally I do, but like, you know, you say a lot of things. Do you mean everything you say? That's the question I often ask myself. Ollie doesn't mean everything he says. Like he'll he'll portray something, but really, he's he's cute as he's he, and he knows what he's at. You know, he completely knows what he's at. And like, Ollie knows the league table. And he knew after that Bowes interview, like the way things I just, I couldn't now. believe it. That, like you can say this and be vaguely believable, but that was like, uh, hang on now, Ollie. Like you're, you're actually on an unbelievable run here. And he said it without even flinching. It was just, it was so profound. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's what a legend. Profound? It was, it was it, like, how you can actually lie with such clarity and just say this and nobody, like, how did he do it? it was... well, I think you do that all the time. Do you actually me. do you actually mean everything you say? Well, I'm I'm not lying. It's it's just like uh, yeah, maybe maybe I don't I've know. Always, I've always been assuming some of the wild stuff was just for sport, but like maybe do you actually mean it all? 
I certainly believe that this uh, this Shamrock Rovers team is up there with the best League of Ireland team I've ever seen <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. I know. I listen. I, I I know you believe that, and like I I hope that that's proven to be correct because we need like a really strong team at the top of the tree. My only point. I we need, we need somebody to challenge them next season, though. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the thing. Like it's a great unknown. Like you like they're they're very good to watch, and it looks like they've got another gear and them another level they can go to, and they've all the ingredients, age profile, everything to be mm-hmm. to be very good. But the problem is they haven't been tested in such a way that you can that you can talk about them in the most glowing terms because they need that rival to push them to the level they can get to. You know, like yeah. Dundalk had Cork relentlessly winning games, so they have to keep going and keep going and keep going. Like Rovers need that next season because, like, it's it's in some ways it's 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 great that they've they've won an eighteen game league with four games to spare, but it also reflects. Like how everyone else like dropped a lot of points, you know, and um, yeah. there was no margin for error. As Stephen Bradley said, yet everyone else found a lot of margin, you know, for errors, you know. And um, it, it, it is mad. After fourteen games, Shamrock Rovers' goal difference is plus thirty-one. After sixteen games, Dundalk is plus four. It's complete um, dominance. I mean, that's and that is absolutely bonkers. Dundalk like have conceded more goals in this half season than they did in the full last season. Mm. But like, we can't even just put everything into context of, of Dundalk. I mean, I know Dundalk have won. They've won five out of the last six leagues, so it's natural they mm. end up going back to them. But like Rovers have been utterly dominant. Like you know, what I mean, there's, there's conceded no seven goals in fourteen games. To be and, fair, so their their goal difference of thirty one over fourteen games. So they've won their games by more than an average of two goals, and the dog have more than have an average of a quarter of a goal per game. That's the difference. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's and as I said, like it's very hard to see them. Dropping off now, it really, really. Yeah, well, Tend to agree, yeah. So, so someone has to go to them because they're not. We do need to wrap up though, Dan. They're not going to come back to you, you know. Um, it's like a loyal Der- dog. Yeah, well, it's it, <laughs> Derry Beach Shells two nil. Or is it? Sl- or is that a pigeon? I'm not even sure. Sl- Sligo Beach. Which the one that comes back to you? The pigeon um, comes back to you. Yeah, uh, Sl- <laughs> Sligo Beach. Not talking about cats again. Like a late night. Oh no, no. I, I, I do uh, I do apologise about that actually. Um Sligo B Cork two one, Bowes nil harps two, Watford nil Dun- Watford one Dundork nil and uh, obviously that harps game tonight, three two to harps, amazing stuff really. The fixes coming up, uh, Patskins Dundalk on Sunday and Finn Harps play Shamrock Rovers. How is that going to go? Who knows? And and then in the first division, um, we finished up with UCD 5, Cabo 1, Shamrock Rovers second team with that loan 3-1, uh, Longford nil, Cove 1, Drogheda 1, uh, Drogheda 3, Galway 1, rather at Galway. And then uh, we also had at Lone nil, Bray 1, Cabin Teeley nil, Drogheda United 2, Galway United 2, UCD 2, Wexford 2, Longford Town 1, and Cove Ramblers nil, Shamrock Rovers second team nil. Um, our thanks again to our sponsors, Lottoland, where you can dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting. And check out the uh, top SEC electricity uh, league and European qualifier markets at lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Thank you for listening. But then-